2: black and gold podcasts presented by the black and gold hockey productions podcast network and sponsored by bet online go to betonline.ag and enter code clns50 and get yourself started plenty to bet on there i am uh, matt barry your host and i am joined every week by heather ingerson hello heather hello matt and hello uh mark allred who's with us again this week
3: well, a little hungover, but I'm here. Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking some hockey. I had a good time on the uh, on the live stream with with Nick from the Dump and Change Hockey Podcast. So Excellent. day drinking is always a killer sometimes. But Absolutely. Glad to Absolutely. be back. Uh,
2: episode, this is episode 212, and today is January the 17th, 2021. And there are two Bruins games in the books, and we'll talk about that and how the new roster is shaping up and all sorts of... Great things on the agenda today, but first, Mark will have some words about BetOnline.
3: Yes, we're uh, we ready for some football. College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer. There is only one place that you uh, has you covered and one place we trust. That's BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus, lots of hockey coming up. We got like 158 days straight of hockey. So it's, this is a great website to go to, to lay some skin on the action. Uh, Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts.
2: And I put some money on uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins today. So hopefully that comes through because I did the bet online and got 30 bucks free. So go ahead and, and do that for sure. I, it's actually fun to do every day. It gives you
3: some a reason to watch other games Desi- <laughs> besides yesterday's testing. besides yesterday's Bruins game. I was doing really good to start this year. So yeah, absolutely. Money, money, money. Me money. too. <laughs> me
1: too. I like-
0: Also like to say because my thing um, after today we're going to know what the championship games uh, for football are make sure you get your futures in there and for the Super Bowl because there's still time. Uh, for yeah. those of you who are into the NFL betting, especially, help us out. Use the code. Take my Absolutely. bills.
2: I would take my bills. Absolutely, um, the the props are are outrageous in the Super Bowl. You can bet on you know people's you know what time how how often they're going to sweat and everything else. So <laughs> plenty plenty to bet on there.
3: Hey, before we get going, I just want to mention uh, to the listeners and YouTube viewers, we're doing the jersey giveaway today. So please stay with us to the whole show. We're going to um, reveal two winners, one jersey winner. That's a hand signed Anders Bjork and uh, uh, just a regular old Bruins related item uh, for our Patreon members. So definitely get on board with that. Patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. A dollar per episode gets you in on all these fantastic prizes.
2: Absolutely. Those, those jerseys are sweet. Uh, our first item on the agenda before we get into the Bruins is Adam McQuaid, a former Boston Bruin defenseman, retired. Uh, and obviously, I, I have a, the utmost respect for Quater. He was a really tough ombre and uh he added a lot of toughness there on the back end and he played on the 2011 stanley cup winning team you know didn't offer much offensively but in the realm of kevin miller sort of he was uh, a sort of an enforcer and and someone who protected his teammates and as he was very well regarded by his teammates and and adam McQuaid retired and we uh, we wish him continued success and health uh first and foremost uh he took took a lot, you know, took a lot of fights for his teammates and in a lot of physicality, had a lot of different injuries during his career and he sacrificed his body and, and hopefully he can live a long life now and enjoy retirement. So I just wanted to get your thoughts. We'll start with Heather on Adam McQuaid.
0: Um, Happy retirement, Adam McQuaid. You are definitely like a warrior that you'd want to go to battle with would always put his body like sacrifice his body for his teammates to block a puck or whatever. Um, a lot of injuries, but he still played 462 games as a Bruin and uh, he was a lifer. He was part of the crop when they bumped up from Providence together with the Boy Chucks and the Marshawns and all of them. Uh, and yeah, so good luck, Adam. You're an old 34 like you are cause you're an athlete, but now you have time to do whatever your next phase of your life is. And I'll always remember you for your service. Cause you were the last of the heavy Bruins defensemen. Do you know what I mean? Like when we had six defensemen who just would pound you all day long, plus Milan Lucic. No, I'm just kidding. So, Mark, you think anything about Quater? Yeah. Um,
3: he was a hard worker, uh, very loyal to the team, um, always there to have uh, players back, Uh really the 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 last of the um uh, big bad bruins per se of that like kind of era um you know but uh serviceable defenseman um it, yeah I, I mean injured a lot we always get that narrative and so on but uh you know when you get injured a lot like that you you're you know you're battling away and you're doing it what's what's right for the team and so on but I have a feeling uh, after seeing Adam a couple times down in Providence uh, sitting next to Chris Kelly in uh, one of the, uh, the owner's boxes and uh, watching the action that he'll most likely probably get a, a role in player development uh, sometime soon. So it, it could be he, he comes back to Boston, but just in a different role. So uh, congratulations on the career and uh, best of luck moving forward. And hopefully I will get to see you uh, as a as a Boston Bruins member Um in the future, hopefully, I can get cover games again.
2: Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, so, yeah, so
3: he, um, you know,
2: he's only 33, so he has quite a long, you know, way to go. And he missed the end of 2019 season with the Blue Jackets with a concussion. That sort of it, it seemed as though that that you know raised a flag with him, and he wanted to use his, you know, be free focused on his health first, and. And I think that was beginning, beginning sort of the, the end and listen, looking toward the future. And, and again, we wish uh, Adam Quaid, uh, McQuaid uh, you know, continued health and, and a great retirement. He certainly deserves it and did a lot for the, for the organization. Um, next item on the agenda, hockey is back. And there were two games uh, taking on the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Bruins win game one in a shootout. Uh, played extremely well. I thought their best period in the two games was the first period of game one where they really dominated. And then in game two, uh, they lose late, late in overtime with less than two seconds to go, um, two to one. So, you know, again, you know, I thought the first game was okay. I thought it was great in the beginning and then teetered off, but they were able to pull it out in the shootout. Um, I, think they're, I think they're a little rusty. I think they do miss David Pasternak. I think they are still trying to figure out life without Zdeno Chara uh, and Tori Krug. And I think some guys are in some roles that they need to adjust to. Um, but the five on five thing is really starting to be an issue. Um, and I know it's, you know, people will say, well, it's only a couple of games in and there's no preseason. And I get that. But this is over a, a bigger sample size to me. So I don't know, Mark, about your feelings about the first two games and if it was something that you expected or if it was something that because uh, I look, I don't think the Devils very good. I think they're well coached. They don't just don't think they have a ton of talent. And this is a team that the Bruins should beat nine times out of ten. Um, so I just didn't know your thoughts on the first two uh, games with the Bruins.
3: Uh, the first game was uh, exciting, of course. It was to get, to get back into the into the swing of things in the uh, 2021 season. Um, it's still a work in progress. So, you know, like you said, there was no preseason. Uh, uh, minimal training camp so there's a lot of rust to be shaken off here chemistry still has to be made but th- these are these are games that I thought that they they could definitely win uh, New Jersey is just that north and south kind of uh, team that can really skate they're young um, and uh, they, they they'll go in those areas to to create uh, space and opportunities and that's what they did they really forced the Bruins um, to play up the middle and not along the boards. And, uh, you know, this uh, – I hope – hopefully it gets better. Like I said, the chemistry thing, um, you know, is going to be an issue with Craig Smith coming in and, and some of these new uh, younger, youthful members on this Boston Bruins team. So, like, I, I'm just going to give it a little more time. But it, it, these are – I mean, you, you look at the standings right now in this new, this new division – you know, Washington and Philadelphia, are just, they're, they're ahead. They're, they're up. So you don't want to be uh, behind and, and you got to figure it out quickly because if you can't figure this out, the five on five issue, like Matt, like what you said, and uh, secondary scoring and, and more shots on net, uh, you're going to be 10 steps behind uh, a lot of these teams in this, in this division. So it's best to get it off, get off on the right foot. And, um, and, you know, in a 56 game season, you never know what's going to happen. So
2: what were your impressions of the Bruins coming in? I know it was a little, to me it was a little disappointing, but I just didn't know, you know what your thoughts were.
0: Yeah. I mean, I totally expect rust and we're working it out. It's a new team, you know, we'll discuss later maybe a little more of like generally what we saw and what we thought. But first game, okay, can't freaking believe it. We scored two power play goals only. We were only two for five on the power play and we were 0 for two for two on the power play yesterday I think and that's concerning because where we suck on five on five scoring and maybe that'll work itself out it's early and kind of we'll let it past us out I mean there's a lot of factors but um although apparently now Tory Krug's making the uh Blues lose eight to nothing I saw a lot of that it's that his fault yeah it's his fault they lost eight to nothing check your goaltending guy but uh The defense, I'm a little concerned because the two best defensive players over the last two days. Now, Brandon Carl, I have to say, is kind of Brandon Carlo. He's even Steven. He's always just doing his thing. But Zaboral and Charlie McAvoy are the only two that look to me like I'm going to, I feel a little better about the defense. Cause we lost two big holes. You know what I mean? Now that being said, it is very early, but it's concerning to me if we're playing like this versus Jersey, like more to the point, like Mark said, you got to get up and go. You can't get behind. Cause it's not a, lot. you know what I mean? In that sense, I'm concerned next Wednesday for the season opener versus Philly because they're already playing like midseason form, you know? So, I mean, but it's still early. I don't think it's like a freak out time, but if you can't handle Jersey a little more solidly, you know, but the goaltenders have looked good they have
2: i mean rask rask uh, you know that was a concern is where's Rask's head at and but you know right before the season started he said some of the right things he said you know that he was ready to go he wanted to be a bruin and it seemed as though he was in a good space and and he's shown it because he's you know he he was very good in game one he he was the reason why they won i thought in the end because the devil's really coming and he kept them out of the net and uh, and then the shootout as well and and it allowed for the Bruins to get the shootout win. And, and I thought Halak was good. I mean I, and, and that that should be a strength because the two veteran goalies. and Halak has shown that he can step in and if need be. and I, I think that should be a very secure position, largely dependent on Rask and where he's where he's at, you know mentally and physically. Um, so I think that that's fine. I, I was a little disappointed in, in Matt Grizzlick. Uh, And I think maybe it's just maybe it's some rust and maybe it's just increased. You know, one of the things I was really worried about was when you give a guy increased playing time, sometimes he's good in his role. And then when you increase it, you expose them a little bit more. And it's not, you know, it's not as easy as saying, well, he's great playing 18 minutes. Let's just play him 24 because there that creates a different, you know, it's just different. And and it's it's an increased role, and it's he's playing power play minutes now, and you know it puts a lot on a guy like Matt Grizzly. Maybe you know he was good in that third pair role, and now he's he's going to be exposed at times playing more. Uh, so that was my concern coming in, and it showed a little bit. I hope it's just some rust, and he'll he'll get because I think he's a steady player, and I think he's a smart player, and I think he's a skilled player. So hopefully that comes about. I thought Jakub Zboril was pretty good, and I'll even make the prediction. I think you'll see Zboril and McAvoy as the top pair if it continues, because right now they don't really have other options. I thought Jeremy Lozon wasn't very good at times. Um, I worry about his. I think Zboril is a better skater. You know, that's that's the simple answer. Is that I, I worry about Lozon's skating ability a bit, and and uh, playing with McAvoy. Um, and Zaboro was the look, Zaboro was the first round pick and he was sort of you know he was he was projected a right right around he was a one guy out of the three in 2015 who was projected around where he was picked so there's a there's a reason and I think he's showing that reason is that he has you know he has ability and and I thought he was pretty good and uh like you said Heather I thought Zaboro and McAvoy I mean McAvoy needs to stop taking penalties and yeah. stuff but I think that McAvoy is is really good and and I'm not concerned about him um, and as not Kevin Miller, Kevin Miller's good. You know, I just hope that he stays healthy, but they really do need another veteran defenseman. Who's not Keith Endel and, uh, you know, someone who really gives them something more that they need rather than another guy who's not very good in his end. Um, so I, the defense is a, is a question mark that the, I really, the forwards just, I scratch my head. Like they have talented forwards and they should be better five on five. And I don't understand what the issue is. I know Pasternak's not there. Um, I thought Jack Stadnika looked like he was a little bit over his head. So they took him out in game two, which is, you know, understandable. Um, Putting a lot on him right away after no preseason. Uh, And they, they found that out playing 11 minutes and, and benching him for quite, quite a bit of that first game and then scratching him. Um, so I, you know, I hope that they, things turn around, but I, um, and I think that they'll get their mojo going. But these two, these you know, Islanders and Flyers, Flyers, like you said, they can score goals and they can play and they can, they can move and transition and they can skate and they they have talented offensive players and this will be a real test for that defense, one hundred percent, because the Devils. I just keep going back to the fact they just aren't that good. They just aren't that good. (laughs) And, um, but again, hopefully it's just the first couple of games, but I, um, I don't know. I, I, the forwards, I'm I'm scratching my head on what needs to be done. And Bruce Cassidy said, we need to shoot the puck more, but I don't know if it's that simple. So I don't know if, um, I don't know. I just, you
0: know, I think they need to pass the puck less is the problem. If they pass the puck less, they'll have no other choice than to shoot the puck. Right you know, yeah. I think someone is
2: so creative and gifted that they feel like they have to make the perfect play or the great pass yeah. to score. And yeah. it's sometimes you just make it, keep it simple, stupid, you know?
0: Yeah, all the good goals are scored on messy shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, I mean, it's uh, greasy.
2: You don't get enough greasy
0: goals. Yeah. Just before I, cause I can tell Mark, I was gonna see about how you felt, how you thought the young kids were doing, but I did want to comment that. I do think Zabora would be better on the top line and it might not even be just Jeremy Lozon. I know they're all figuring out, especially the young kids but maybe if like, this is, goes back to what we always talk about. Don't overwhelm them either. Like if it's maybe just a little too much for him up there, there's nothing wrong with maybe switching him out with Zaboro for a couple of games and see how that works. Cause it could also just be, it's the first two games of your real professional career. Cause it's looking like you're on, you know, the real team, probably. So maybe not solidified, but definitely in the situation we're in with how the team's constructed. And uh, that's all I was going to say about that. I feel like Zaboro looks of all the young kids, not that they looked horrible besides, you know, you're young and these are your first couple of real games here going and everyone's, and it's a little sloppy. I do think though Zaboral is one of the ones that looks most comfortable in like just um, maybe cycle, psycho- like a, I guess just uh, confidence wise or whatever. I'm sorry to say whatever, <laughs> but um, in their brain. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, this is the big moment, but, like, just relax and do what I can do. We're not in camp anymore. I'm ready to go. Where some other kids are kind of like, whoa, this is what it's like when you're not having inter-squad games, you know? It'll work itself out, though. Mark? What? Do you just... What do you think about the young? Oh, I'm sorry. Very happy when Trent Frederick. I wasn't like starting a fight. I was legit like, oh god, Trent Frederick's going in. Mark is. Yeah,
3: I was so happy, and thank you all for the for the positive words. Uh, You love me. You really love me. Um, No, it's it's uh, it's going to be a transition. You know, it's these guys just got to get get it together. Um, The younger defense. um, You know, uh, trying to put words and i can't do it um the defense looked okay neat a, a huge work in progress um grizzly getting a lot of time over five minutes on the power play and mac only a minute and 30 something was uh a, a bit surprising but i, I think that's bruce cassie just trying to feel things out so um yeah that's what yeah, I,
2: I, g- I yeah i i yeah i t- I like Saboro because I, like you said, Heather, I think he just shows that he can, I mean, he's got some real skill and he can really play. And he was a plus 20 last year at AHL. Like he, he was, he had an excellent year. Um, So I think that there's real possibility and potential there to be a really good. Now, is he a top pair defenseman? I don't know. Maybe maybe he's a second pair defenseman. And right now he may be, again, people might be, be playing out of place and because they, they're a little thin there and guys are playing maybe a step above where they should be. That's very true. It could be very true. I, Trent Frederick, it showed me exactly what I thought when I envisioned it was that I really wanted to see a Frederick Wagner corelli line. And that first line, the first game, that fourth line in the first game was excellent. I mean, they were grinding and hitting and heavy and, and feisty and really hard to play against. And you could see over the course of the game that the defenseman wanted a part of them. When the puck went in the corner and went behind the red line, they, they were letting them have it. And that's kind of what you want from that group. And I, I like that group a lot. And I really – I think you'll see more from now from Andres Bjork because I think they'll put him on the top line a little bit more and they'll put him in the top six and they'll really see what they have with him because they kind of have to. I mean, they don't – with Pasternak not there, and he should be back soon. But, you know, Andrei Kasha gets hurt. Uh, so that, that – they're still uh, – I just don't – I think Andre Kasha is a waste of time. I, I really do. And I, I don't want to be that way, but I just think there's a big sample size here and he just doesn't score goals. He has hands of stone and he, yeah, puck possession is great, but if you have the puck for a minute and then do nothing with it, it really doesn't, that, those analytics can be skewed at times. Okay, great. We had the puck for a minute, but we can't even get a shot on that or, or score a goal. It just doesn't, there's a little bit of fool's gold there with the, with the analytics with Kasha and he can't be on the second line. If he just don't score goals, that's insane. So there, there's going to be a numbers game in there with the forwards. Uh, but I really like that fourth line. And I really want to see Smith and Coyle and Bjork pit play together. And then, you know, and back and, but you need, you still need another top six forward. But I think the glaring thing right now is another defenseman to sort of let everybody fall into place. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll, you know, the Islanders and flyers will be very difficult in a, in a level above the devil. So we'll really see what the glaring issues are. I think in the next, next couple of games, um, uh, next item on the agenda is making a prediction. Who are the top four teams in the division and where will the bees rank in the East? I still think they can win the division and, and should if everybody's healthy and and everybody's, uh, playing to their potential, I still think they can, although the flyers, um, I may be changing my mind, but I think that the Bruins are in the top two of the division. I think the Islanders and the Capitals will be the the other. And I think the Penguins, just as I suspected, are on the downswing of their window. And it's probably closed. And uh, it's Crosby and and really nobody else there. Uh, Their defense is terrible. Uh, It's just not the same Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't have any thought that they uh, will challenge the Bruins at all or the Flyers for that matter. Um, So those will be on the bottom, Devils, Sabres. But I do like uh, the Flyers a lot, and I think it will be Flyers and Bruins. uh, Top two. What do you think, Mark, on those?
3: I'm going Flyers one, Bruins two, um, pretty much the same as yours. Capitals three, and Islanders four. Mm. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's that's what I see. What do you see, uh, Heather, on that?
0: I actually have us third because I am concerned that um, like Washington is not the Washington they used to be, but they still can put the puck in the net where we're still struggling five on five. And with this kind of defense settling, you know what I mean? Like figuring it out again in in the next few weeks, it's like, we're going to kind of know who's, floating to the top and, you know, not because it's short order and it's getting already really testy between the, the teams. So it's going to get physical. The longer we go into this, play the same teams over and over again, which is fun yeah. and a little old school. Like we like, uh, but I have Philadelphia cause I think they're they're becoming the Philly we thought they were going to start shaping up last year, and they started getting it together later in the season and uh, showed pretty well for themselves in there. But uh, an Islanders fourth. I, again, mm-hmm. I think they're boring. I think they're very talented, but they're kind of boring. I'd rather watch a Flyers game. I just, they're quick mm-hmm. moving and whatever. But right. those I think are still going to be the top four, just like last year, and you know, figure out what to do mm-hmm. from there. I actually put Pittsburgh last. I think they're a mess. They don't yeah, know I think so, yet, too.
2: Like- yeah. And people were saying coming into the season, well, you know, Pittsburgh and Washington, boy, a really tough division. And I really think it's a two-team division with the Islanders sort of almost there, but I don't really – I'm not really 100% on board with them. Like you said, kind of kind of boring, not a lot of star power. So I, I'm not big on them You know, to be up in those top two. But the, the Penguins, I, I wasn't afraid of them coming into the season, and now I think they're in the bottom – part of the division because i just don't think they're very good and i think that people want to keep saying that they're among the elite because they have crosby and they have malkin and they but it's not the same group i mean we're going into what's crosby's has been in the league 14 15 years now he's been in the league a long time like Mm -hmm. this is not the same the same group that they used to have as far as the east i like tampa i mean tampa bay is still a wagon with uh with that you know they go all the way through the four lines you know goudreau and and gourd and i mean they just have a really good group there and uh four lines that all can play and and headman and you know Vasilevsky. I game and they've got it all really i mean they're they're up there with the avalanche as far as talent my my uh estimation but i like the lightning to be the the best of the east again and then flyers bruins right behind them um uh, but I don't know if if, if, uh, if you guys what you guys see with the lightning, I thought, I, you know, they're playing the Blackhawks first game, whatever it was, and they're terrible. But, you know, I think that they just show, I mean, they're so good. And they're really a tough matchup for the Bruins.
3: I'm just happy they're in another division right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. True. That's very yeah, true. Because the be Bruins would be third or fourth, or all you want.
2: Right. <laughs> Bruins would be way down the list in the division if they were in it. Uh, they're, they're tough. I mean, they're really tough. And I don't know if the Bruins, oh, as as constituted, the Bruins can't beat them right now because their defense isn't isn't veteran enough, isn't good enough, Um, and they don't score five on five goals. They would lose that battle too. So they they really need a, a defenseman and a forward, in my estimation to really challenge the lightning um so right now unless there's injuries or something happens with the lightning this might be their last go around because their salary cap issues will come back to bite them at some point oh yeah but they uh this might be their last go around but it I could see them I could see them repeating for sure
0: i I think they've been creating themselves part in the pun, but like, you know, to create the perfect storm of a hockey team and yeah, now the cap is going to start kind of bitch slapping them back a little bit. They're going to have to make decisions, but they also were one of the only teams that would go all in on anything until they finally got the right pieces that they had to get. Do you know what I mean? When a lot of people weren't there, like keep whatever we have, no need, you know, don't make the big trade. They did. And they assembled themselves. I think that they're very poised to just repeat for the cup. I think, Very few teams are even in their caliber. Like you said, Colorado, there's a few. Then you have the Bruins who are technically in their peer group, but not currently constructed. Like last year's Bruins might have been in their peer group in the season before, but this year's Bruins is going to be like maybe – looking up and, but that could be good though, too, because the Bruins have been so good for so long. Maybe part of what helps them figure out at least to get through the season and be the best Bruins team they can be is needing that challenge yeah. instead of always that's being chased, like get sure. back in the chase yeah. gives you something to uh shoot for. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah, the yeah. lightning, no, I, I think yeah. is this team.
2: Yeah. That's a good point because I think it's, it's, the Bruins need to be hit in the face with we're not good enough. I think, I think they're still in that, we're, we're toeing the line and where we're trying to get the best out of our nucleus that's been there, our veteran group. We don't want to let them down. We don't want to show them that we really have to rebuild. And they're getting into that between thing that always is a killer. Like it always kills your franchise because you, then you are just very good, but not good enough. And it you either have to rebuild and really take a real hard look. Yeah. You let crew go and you let Chara go, but Did you really take a hard look? Did you, did you move crazy? Did you, I mean, did you really make good hockey trades that would, that would lead you into the next five, six years? No, you didn't. So are you still, are you still hanging on to that thought of, Oh, we'll catch lightning in a bottle, so to speak, but you're not going to catch the lightning in a bottle because the lightning are ahead of you right now. So it's (laughs) a, it's a, it's a, I don't know. They're in this, they're in this tween tweener thing that they said they wouldn't do, but they're doing it. And it's, um it's a little now next year they have all types types of cap space and they have a couple of veterans off the books and decisions on them and there can be really some changes in the roster maybe that's what they're thinking maybe that you know short season we're still sort of in it you know let's not do anything drastic in a short season through covid let's wait till the following year where we have a lot of flexibility maybe that's their thought then say that you know what I mean? Then then say it. And um, because right now they're just, they're towing the line and it never works. I just, in my experience looking at teams like that, it, it never works. It, you hang on too long to, to uh, your fantasy about your team and mm-hmm. your, you fall in love with your group and then it just comes back to bite you. And I think at the end of this season, we're going to be seeing another playoff round where they don't have enough five on five goals and their defenses has a hold and they're one player away. And, and it's disappointing. So I um, they're going to have to make a move if they really want to contend for this, this season, the Stanley cup. And I'm not sure the organization is in a space right now to really do that, to really take on more term in a contract to take on a guy who makes a little bit more money. I'm not sure they're in a space to do that because of the financial constraints and the COVID situation and no fans and I think they look at that very, very... I think that the management, the, the ownership looks at that and looks at that uh, pretty rigidly. Uh, and, it, and it it creates this disconnect between general manager and, and ownership. Um,
0: Sorry, can so, we talk about yeah. the elephant in the room? How the hell is Nick Ritchie one of the I people who put on the most shots? Like, we're going to have to I be know. better than Nick Ritchie's power play goal being the second Bruin of the season to score. I just... Worst and thing that ever happened. Like, good for yeah. Nick Ritchie. Yeah, but still go away. I don't understand. Like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we got to be better than that. Nick Ritchie, who most of us want to vote off the island, can't be one of our top fucking point producers, and oh, that's God. currently what the situation
2: is. Well, the f- worst thing that could happen was him scoring a goal. Like, it's just the worst because all I've heard from people I talked to is Bobby well, we scored. Well, who cares what he did? Because he doesn't fight for pucks. He doesn't know what he's doing when he gets it. There's no plan. Like, it's just, he's just, he's not the player that they thought he was. He doesn't want to get heavy and physical and because he, he has all the looks of it, but he just doesn't do it. And he, he literally let guys get pucks and didn't make the extra effort to get them. And then he scores a goal. Like, Oh my God, he had, he should have had a hat trick in the first game. If he lifted the puck twice, he scores three goals. Like he had one right at the, right at the crease, lifts it over his pad. It's a goal in the slot, puts it in the air. It's a goal. Like for God's sakes, like the guy stinks. So just move on from him. He doesn't make any money either. Just move on from him. Just, just, you've got forward depth there that you can get something else out of some kid. You know, I'd rather have Anders Bjork playing more time than him because at least Bjork will, will, will skate hard and, in, in, fight hard and play hard. And, you know, he has his issues, but God, he's, he's younger and he's your, he's your homegrown talent and just play him. Like I'd rather see Stedniker on a, on a bottom six line. than look at Nick Ritchie. I mean, he sucks. Like, can we just move on? Like, it's just, I, and then we put him on the PP one power play one unit yesterday. Uh, I almost I, lost
0: my mind. I had a, I had a heart attack. I was like, Oh, Oh, Oh my God. Like,
2: Richie? I couldn't believe it.
0: How is Grizz gonna work this out if he's got this is what's happening right now, you know, or whoever ends up being the D on that thing? But I'm like, this is what we have. We're only missing Pasternak. Yeah, really. I mean,
2: Bruce Cassidy. He's a. He's a. I think he's a good coach. He's a smart guy. He understands hockey. I don't know what the rationale is. Do you really? Is it really that simple that you said, well, he scored yesterday, so maybe we'll put him out there in the power play? I do. I mean, my God. I mean, is that simple? Like the guy. When he gets the puck, he has no idea what to do with it. Like it's just it's insane. And you're putting him on the power play unit. When you need to score power play goals, as you said earlier, Heather, they don't score five on five. Special teams are so important to this team. It's even more important than it should be because they don't score five on five. They can't allow power play, uh, power play goals and they need to get them. So they put Richie out there. It's just insane. And you have elite forwards out there. Like you have elite fours on your team and it's just, I, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I just, I can't You look at that trade was a fail. Move on, Donnie, move on. Like just move on, please. Cause it's just, it, it didn't work. He thought you was, you, you thought he was something different. I don't know, Mark, take me off the ledge. Jesus.
3: Yeah, I, I don't get it either, but I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, happy that it's only one year remaining. So I don't think that he yeah, should be, he <laughs> should be true. back. The uh, Richie projects have been, um, in my opinion, somewhat of a failure. Uh, the Brett brother, he's no longer with the organization. Probably overseas somewhere. A uh, He went to
0: Calgary for a tryout or something like.
3: that. Yeah, but I don't think he. I don't think he made it. But um, right. Right. You know. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm over it. I'm ready for a, a youthful member to come in and take that spot.
2: Yeah. I mean, two years ago, Coil and Johansson were excellent moves. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And you're still reaping the benefits of Coil. Great. Yeah. You know, that's fantastic. So I'm not ripping Don for it because he he can make good dreadline deals. He has. So let's not let's not create this this storm about him. But this one in Kasha stunk. I mean, it stunk. And I know you had to get rid of Backus's contract and you know, first round pick and back his contract. You can argue that and whether or not they could make a first round pick anyway. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it's okay, great. You get rid of backs contract. Okay. But Kasha and Richie were a fail. I mean, they, they were a fail and it's just, it's okay. So you, so you failed. So move on and stop, stop jamming Rick, Nick Richie down my throat. Stop. Because it's, it's just, it's not helping. I'm watching him play and I'm just, He doesn't battle. Like he doesn't battle. And it's just,
0: it's just too, uh, I don't know. That's one of the things um, that I get annoyed with is that I feel like when we do make trades, we're wasting money. Okay. So instead of last year, packaging Danton Heinen with Bacchus already to Anaheim type situation, or for something little that we could trade later, not even someone to come on our team. And instead of that same $4 million or whatever is the difference. You could have kept Joe Hanson for another couple of years. And now you've wasted Danton Heinen, even David Backus, for goodness sakes, every now and then you need him on your third line to be a little Mm -hmm. physical and show the boys how to stand in front of the net because he's old school. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we don't have Danton Heinen. So now we have a weird mess where you want to hold on to people like Nick Ritchie, who hasn't and I, I know he hasn't been here that long, but I just mean you haven't shown that you should be here. I mean, Joe Hanson helped them almost win a Stanley Cup. He was only here two months. Like, I don't understand why. Or we let, you know, and I'm not saying you can argue like what's valuable versus valuable, but I feel like we're always like weirdly moving money, but not actually spending money to improve the roster. We hold on to people we shouldn't. We let people like even last year. Okay, so you're letting Chara go. You're letting go. whatever. So we really couldn't have, figured out how to get rid of Nick Ritchie and maybe ponied up an extra year for Joe I mean, uh, Nordstrom, who you know is going to battle for the puck is your number two guy on your PK and everything else. Now we have, Oh good. Nick Ritchie is our third best scorer.
2: Yeah. The, Bru- the Bruins don't make bold moves. I think that that's really, they don't, they don't go on a limb and say, okay, we're going to make a, a move for a you know, Patrick line. Like we're going to make a move, you know, we're, you know, and yeah, you know, that's the way it is.
3: Hey, real quick, uh, we're talking about the Richies. Uh, David Pagnotta of the Fourth Period magazine um, has uh, tweeted out the Flames have signed forward Brett Ritchie to a one year, two way contract, 700K. <laughs> Wow, and how is weird that, is that?
2: that is, there, is, weird. is there a clause where he takes his brother with him?
3: That's what Joe Smoky says. Under uh, under it, he says maybe they will take Nick too.
2: Right, right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. Round it up to a million and take Nick with you. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad wishing great.
0: that upon them though. Don't yeah, me, geez. Feel Brett, bad. Brett
2: Ritchie scored the first goal of the season last year.
3: Yeah, against yeah. Dallas. His old
2: yeah. Team. He, and everybody said, "Oh, geez, Brett Ritchie, what a great get!" And now he's with the Flames.
3: Well, <laughs> oh, that's man. that's great. <laughs> um,
2: that's, that's just great uh, alright so now for next item on the agenda looking at this roster first impressions of the new look Bruins and we touched on some of it uh, how do we like the roster um, and I'll just say that I think they need a top six forward uh, now if that's Pasternak and things fall into place I still think you need one because I'd like to keep Smith on the third line and you need a top pair defenseman um, I, I really think you do. Now, could Zabor be it next year? Maybe. You know, maybe. I mean he's a first round pick. Maybe he develops into a really good top pair defenseman. Great. But I think right now he's he's not. But I think he's your best option, and that's a little scary. So I think those are the two things you really need this year if you're really going to uh contend with the lightning. Uh Heather, what do you think?
0: Um, I think overall, we kind of knew this is what it was going to be. You know, we're, we live yeah. in reality. We have hopes and dreams as fans, but we also live in reality and we understand the situation as it is. This is kind of what we thought would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Zaborl just cause maybe he's a little more comfortable should try out a few games on that top line, even just to give laws on it. Cause that's a lot. You're playing up with McAvoy McAvoy's played 27 and 25 minutes respectively. Mm-hmm. The first game, the only reason it was 25 is cause he spent Five or six minutes in the box at some point in the game, you know. Um, I am concerned about the, as much as we don't know what the hell with Andre Kasha, now if he's injured, that creates even a bigger kind of F show about what to do with the top six forwards, right? Like, do you put, maybe Stadnika, maybe you leave Bjork Bjork up with Marshawn and Bergeron because he has good experience playing with them. He's filled in there before. You put, what, maybe Studnika on the second line and see if he works out. But who knows? Maybe that, maybe Krejci, could, you know, I don't know. Especially with those kids who don't have a set position. Like, I prefer Andres Bjork is either on the top line or he's on that third line. And it does annoy the shit out of me. They don't have him on. I know the other day he had to play up, but, like, make up your mind. Because those are where he is the most comfortable. And we are a team of a bunch of, like, 24-year-olds right now trying to work it out. So, I think they'll be all right. I, I the goaltending, what I'm worried about is the stress that will start becoming on the goaltending. If defense doesn't shore up, because it's still not till April, we even have a trade deadline option necessarily, you know, to go out and really make a trade if we need to for defense. Uh I guess just hoping a prayer on it at this point, like uh maybe they'll work it out, but I'm, a, I'm afraid if they don't get it together, like Grizzly, He's one of our best defensemen, so to have him look so poorly yesterday in the game, especially, overall, the stresses will continue to wear on the goalies if the defense doesn't get strong. That's a big concern for me at this point. Like, we do have a lot of talented forwards if they would just goddamn shoot the puck, but they don't. But uh, defense is a concern to me, and again, that might work itself out. We knew this is what it was going to be like, but that's really it. Mark, any big concerns or things that you really...
3: No, I'm I'm with you guys. Defense has got to uh, create a little bit more chemistry, get better, um, and uh, if if need be, you you got to make two trades. I'm with Matt on the whole addition of a of a veteran defenseman that's good, and a a winger that snipes and can get sc- goal scoring, like you said, more shots on net, Heather. Um, so yeah, I'm totally on board with that, but I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet on this roster there's, there's a little bit of time to get that chemistry together. Um, and, but it's also, you don't want to get so far in the hole too. So right. it's just, it's a good, it's going to be a weird season, a new, new, um, new division and everything. We're going to see teams that we have seen before, but not in this type of style, not for this many games. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. So, you know, put the safety, uh, net on and, and, uh, a seat belt or whatever you want to call it and, yeah. and and enjoy the ride because it's it's going to be an up and down roller coaster as it looks right now. And hopefully that changes. We get a little more involved, shake the rust off, you know, and I, I think we'll be all right. But,
2: you know, they got three out of four points. So, I mean, if you get three out of four points every two games, you're going to be fine at the end of the year. I mean, they, so, and i sort of fortunate that they played New Jersey. Uh, in this because i think that they play the flyers are probably only two right now so that's uh but i think you know getting three out of four points is what you kind of you know you want to get four but you got three and fine but now i think it's it's important in these next couple of games here we're gonna have to take a look and see i mean you're going to see what what the roster really looks like against higher end talent um flyers game scares me typically i have a good feeling when the Bruins have played the flyers in the last 10 15 years but i don't right now uh because i think offensively they uh play very well and have four good lines and and they put the puck on net and they crashed the net and they you know they looked they made the penguins look terrible uh, in those first two games so uh, you know, the defense is, you know, Matt Grizzly, I think will come around. I think he's a good player. So I don't think I'm that concerned about him. I am a little concerned about Lausanne just because there's not a lot of experience there. And when he starts to go bad, you know, it, it could go, the confidence could be struck and then, then you have an issue. Um, so I, you know, we'll see what, um, what happens, but I think to be a Stanley cup contending team, they need at least another piece I would say defense first, then forward second. But I think uh, they got to figure out the 5 on 5 thing. They're just not good enough, 5 on 5 And when they were good in 2011, when they won the cup, they were the best 5 on 5 team in the league. Uh, and their power play stunk. So it was a complete opposite of what they are now. And you need to be great 5 on 5 to play because you don't have as many penalties in the playoffs. And you really need to score even strength so i they need to shore that up and figure that out and i don't know if that's scheme and style or if that's changing lines and getting chemistry or if it's about patience and waiting 10 games and it comes together i don't know but something needs to happen there for sure uh, so upcoming games this week and heather has uh the games and who's up who's on tap
0: okay so tomorrow so in case of when you're listening to this Monday January 18th we are playing the Islanders at a weird start time 5 p.m I'm not sure why we're in the same uh time zone and it's only an hour drive from New Jersey maybe they have to quarantine for X amount of hours or something like that I yeah have maybe no they, idea. the testing
2: maybe the testing takes time maybe yeah. yeah
0: I'm not quite sure but um anyways last year when we played the Islanders we lost twice. I mean, we lost in a shootout to them. I'm sorry, three to two. And we beat them in OT three to two. And then we beat their asses on the third round three to nothing. Uh, That's when they were going through their kind of rough patch there before they got it together near the end of the season. Uh, And currently the Islanders are one and one. They got their butts handed to them by the Rangers yesterday, but they handed the Rangers their asses on Monday. So then we roll in back home, home opener Thursday January 21st, mark your calendars. We are playing the Flyers, who are looking like the team to beat in this division, at least through the first few games. And we're also playing them Saturday, the 23rd. So write it down, both 7 o'clock start times. Uh, last year, we lost to them twice in the shootout, but we were losing to everyone in the shootout. But not now. The streak's broken. Brad Marchand <laughs> redeemed himself yeah. the other day. Yeah. And we beat them the last game The last game we played or the Flyers played last year on the Ma- March 10th. And a couple of days later, it was all shut down. So, uh, But we beat them to nothing. And that beat there, they had a nine-game win streak, I believe, or something going at that time. So they're probably out for a little revenge on that. You know, and know their worth but uh yeah currently they killed the pittsburgh penguins they've scored 11 goals to their five i mean just like you said not the penguins of old but philly is they're good so those are our opponents coming up islanders and flyers boys any thoughts on these teams besides we clearly are very scared of philly a little just
3: yeah Uh, you gotta you gotta show up you gotta show up and especially in front of your non-fans because nobody's (laughs) gonna be in the building um no yeah you just really let's set the tone here let's get right after it on monday against the islanders uh let's see a new team new expectations of more shots on net uh better net front presence um you know we just just do the small things that get that make you good and uh i think we'll be all right but um you just gotta you gotta get this these two New Jersey games out of your head, because those were definitely winnable games in 60 minutes. And it just 1.7 remaining is just, that's tough. That's tough. Mm. Well, in the
2: bright side, good thing they scored because they kept the shootout streak alive. So they probably wouldn't have won the suit out the second time. So, (laughs) Uh, so that was good. But the um, yeah, I, the Islanders, you know, they should, they should, they should handle, but the Islanders have really improved. They're very well coached. I have a ton of respect for Barry trots. Um, and then the flyers are, are really good. So this is a real indication here. I think more of an indication against the devils of what you have, particularly on the back end, particularly on defense. Uh, and I'd like to see some more chances, five, one, five, carrying the play like the first period against the Devils. So I thought that was the best period. First period of game one. And I'd like to see more of that, carrying the play, getting in front of the net, creating some chances. And Cassidy said this after the playoffs last year, they don't get enough goals, enough greasy goals, enough goals in front of the net, enough activity in front of the net, enough enough screens. And he mentioned screens particularly. And everything comes from the outside. And everything comes from trying to make a great play. And that's why they score on the power play, because you have the space and the time to really pick apart a team and score the goal. Again, in 5 on 5, it's it's you don't have that time and space. So you really need to get in front of the net and they need to find more people who are willing to do that. Now, can Craig Smith do that? Maybe and uh and, you know, maybe he can, but I think that they don't have guys who really do that. They have, you know, Bergeron will get there occasionally, but Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand, are, you know, are more Finesse type players and make plays and score that way, and um, and their second line Krejci's not really like that, so they they need to f- identify people who will get in front of the net and get some greasy goals, and um, and that's that would get them off the schneid. I think they don't get enough of those, and I think that's the number one problem with the five on five play uh, is that they just don't have enough of those hardworking in front of the net scrum type goals rebound goals they don't get enough of them and i think that's they have to score on their initial shot which is tough to do in the nhl so uh they need to start getting to that and identify people who are willing to do that um and if nick richie is the the guy who does it above all else that's a problem you know that's a that's a, if, I, if he's playing because he he does that occasionally the last two goals he scored were the one where he was on his face uh in front of the goalie against in the playoffs when he scored that goal in a scrum where he was literally laying on his stomach and scored the goal and then the goal that he had the other day so i you know i don't know it's uh they need to get more of that though more traffic in front more screens more tips and, and things of that nature and well, that's where most battles. goals
0: are scored is on the tip right, on the, right. you know Especially it's five not, on they're five. Not right tick tick talk shoot you know like right. i mean thank god the people who do put the puck in the net X. Ex- mick richie you know what i'm talking about the top line crazy right. sometimes dabrosk and coil um mostly uh they they have good shots and that's the only thing that helps and right again that's something they also have to figure out because they're also used to having like not to break but like tory crew kind of being an extra off you know forward that's always on the ice and maybe mm-hmm. grizz will help with that you know as time goes on or whoever's a ball i don't really you know we'll see how that goes. But I, I do think that that's a problem and I don't know why. And maybe that's because this goes back to Mark and everything we've been talking about this for two years, right? And. It's not necessarily, and everybody talks about it. It's not necessarily about being a bad, a tough fucking guy, right? Like, it's good to be a tough guy, right? Like, it was good that Wood and Miller had it out yesterday. Miller, I mean, Wood even said, I respect it. I would do the same thing. Glad he honored the time old tradition of, like, let's just get this shit done with and over with and we can play the game after. Great. Young kids knowing the rules of the kind of, some of the unwritten rules that we all agreed to or they agreed to or whatever as players. But yeah, I just, it concerns me that they just don't do it. I don't know if it's cause they're not, I don't want to say they're not tough. Cause like Marshan is a freaking like he's a freaking brute. Right. <laughs> you know? And like, we're not like saying our forwards aren't tough, but like we do have much more finesse forwards than kind of like that and and it is concerning, like even with Char, at least one thing he does is put his big ass body in front of the net. You know what I right, mean? Right. He get, he'll get in there. He'll go right in and create a situation, drop the puck and let someone come in behind him. So yeah, we need to, like you said, you need to allocate people who are going to be those people. Do you know what I mean? Maybe yeah. it is Mark's boy Trent Frederick because he's a physical dude. You know what I mean? You're not really asking him to be your driving the offense the way you do Stadnica or Bjork, right? Maybe that works out on, you know, a little more of that kind of game of you know you need a little of that toughness but you also need the nice hands and the ability to just keep moving the play I don't know like sometimes I feel like we stand around like you said they're waiting for the perfect goddamn shot or pass. like stop just move a little like it's two inches that way someone like I don't know move make their defenseman move that's why we never like we shoot we never even get the rebound half the time because it's just such an easy clear out for them in their own zone so yeah sorry all right
2: Time. Mark, what do you think about style of play? Do you think that they just need to, is, if that, is that the case or is it personnel?
1: Um,
3: I like the personnel. I want to get, yeah. that's that's my thing about upgrades and so on. Style of play, um, I'll go back to game one. I think there should have been a bigger response uh, to Tuca okay. getting run by Miles Wood. Uh, it should have been done that day and not Kevin Miller coming out swinging um, in his second game back. Um, right. so, uh, yeah, what,
2: what happen if they, if they
3: didn't sign Miller, who, who would have done that? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> That's scary. Exactly. You have Charlie McAvoy, just like pulling people when you should be like on yeah. top of them punching them. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> right.
2: I don't know. So I think, yeah, I think the, they don't have enough. And I look at, at Tampa Bay. I mean, they have skilled players in the top two lines, but they're, but they have players who are willing to to you know to get to the front of the net and they create some chaos there on the defense and they get it from also that's why they they shored up the bottom six and they got more more scoring depth out of it secondary scoring and they won the cup i mean that's the bruins when they won the cup you know they had you know third and fourth line who would who would create some chances and and be difficult to play against you know i had michael ryder and and guys on you know, chris kelly when he was a pickup and those guys performed in the playoffs and scored goals uh and they were greasy and they were timely and they you know those types and they, that's why they were good five on five and i think that you know they if, they if it's personnel then fine then change the personnel but i also think the philosophy of just everything's to the outside and everything is you know back to the point take a shot no one's screening and it's just, it's just, it's very vanilla, it seems to me. And very, uh, it's just not, they're not creating enough uh, anxiety on the goaltender on the defense. And I think that that's what they really need to focus on. And again, identify people who will do that. Um, next item on the agenda Heather, the Boston Pride start their quest for the Isabel Cup in the bubble in uh, Lake Placid. So that's yep. coming up.
0: Next week, the six uh, teams will be well, – actually, I'm sure they're there already setting up, but they start on the 23rd also. So before you watch the Philadelphia-Boston game at 7 p.m., watch the ladies at 1 p.m. They are playing the Minnesota White – oh, no. Did I mess that up? Yeah, no, we are playing the White Caps. I'm sorry. I was looking at White the wrong caps. day. But yeah. uh, the ladies are playing a condensed schedule the 23rd through February 5th. There's like uh, seven days of like, everybody's playing each other, then they're doing a little round robin for seating. And as Mark and I and you have brought up on several times that the semifinals on February 4th and the finals on February 5th will be aired on NSMBC, what is it? NBC. NBC
2: Sports. I can't yeah, yeah I, right.
0: I F it up every right. time. But anyways, yeah, NBC sports, right? I twitch for the other games that you know, find the stream. There's different ways to stream it and uh watch nice. it. It's getting exciting. It'll be fun looking for like the NHL teams and all the fans, you know what I mean, in right. the stands right. around. And uh yeah, that's it. I just want to say, you know, support hockey and they're going to Lake Placid. It ought to be awesome. I kind of wish we could go, you know, but
2: yeah, like
0: three games a day for a couple weeks, but yeah should be no, a good time. They,
2: they were kind of a wagon last year, I mean before the covid hit. They were like
3: best team best in team. Boston. Yeah, One team, 1 in 1 record. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Nice. I believe
0: they were supposed to play the White Caps for the cup, right? And it got canceled yep. or something they, uh, so yep. they were like co-champs or something yep. because they didn't get nice. to play it.
3: Covid ruined another thing. So so not only is it, you
2: know, good professional women's hockey, but it's the best team in the league. So that's yes. uh, even more reason to, to Totally watch. agree. Um and the next item before we go to break is the uh, NHL are sort of creating the new rivalries with the division setup. up. Uh, and what old rivalry are you most excited to renew in this realignment? So Heather had poll results on this. And uh, I will just say that I, I really, I really have always liked it when they played the Rangers. I just love the New York Boston thing that Rangers would bring tons of fans to the garden. I just thought that was an underrated uh, rivalry whenever they play like a Saturday afternoon game in the garden tons of New York Ranger fans and it was never you know it's not the Canadians type rivalry and but I always thought the Rangers Bruins was a really good take but uh, what what are the results look like uh,
0: heather um so 22 percent for the Rangers. Uh, 11% for the Sabres, 66% for the Flyers, and 1% for the Islanders. I actually, I'm like, oh, wow, apparently no one still has trauma from the late 80s, early 90s. That's fine. I do. I don't want to think about it. But uh, I'm a Flyers, Bruins Flyers all day long. Yeah, I I said the same thing on that poll. Like, I hate the Flyers. My cousin Joey, that's, like, is the way, like, you're supposed to hate Montreal. He hates Montreal, but the Flyers, something about him. I don't know if it's because he was a kid in 2010. So he remembers, like, the losing the thing. I mean, sure, he remembers we got to go to the parade in Boston the next year. But, like, for him, he hates it, you know. Uh, But I was actually surprised. But there were some comments, you know, like the old school, like, Sabres Bruins was pretty good and stuff like that too. So yeah. thank you for people who voted. I wish more people would vote it because I was just interested, like you know, trying to think of who would I think of. Like if I thought back to like more being younger and a, right, you know, being a kid or being a teenager, who would we really think? So I, I Mark, really, who's your favorite? I yeah, think man. is yours the Rangers.
3: No, I said the Flyers. You did. Yeah, I mean, I do like the uh, the Rangers though. Yeah, I say the 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 one
2: real the the earliest vivid memory I've had of being a Bruins fan was the Brad Park goal against the Sabres in 83. That was like the goal that really, that really made me a diehard sort of Bruins fan and got me excited about it. I remember watching that game on my little black and white TV and TV 38 and the call by Cusick and the whole, like, I remember that Park goal, like it was yesterday, and that was a first real vivid memory of me watching them on TV in that great moment. Um, so the Sabres back then, I mean, they were they were really good back in the day, uh, and the Nordiques were too. I mean, those are two teams back in the early 80s that gave uh, the Bruins trouble, and aside from the Canadians. Uh, so the Saber, it would nice to see the Sabres play, and then the Sabres beat them in 92-93, I think it was, when the Bruins were one of the top teams in the league, if not if not presidents cup are up there adam oates had 45 goals they had a great season and they lost swept by the sabers so the sabers have been a thorn in the year's past uh, i'd like to see the sabers be good again um, because i you know i think it's buffalo's a good sports town and you see with the bills and stuff they get really fanatical about their teams and i'd like to see the sabers be good again and i think it would be good for the league and i you know i just think that the Sabres do have somewhat of a tradition there of you know, having some good teams in the past. And I to, for them to be bad every year, especially with a great player like Eichel, is just, I don't know. I, I feel bad for a player like him. Uh, a player like Connor McDavid, like, you know, those guys should be on good teams. And uh, I'd like to see the Sabres be good again. But I so that was a, an interesting poll.
0: Oh, sorry. I, I had a thought, like, when I was looking at this and I was thinking, because we're all kind of in the same peer group, you know what I mean? The same decade. We were all born the same decade. And I was thinking... Think of how much like maybe for like people our age and maybe a little younger. It's totally different because we remember a world when half of these hockey teams practically didn't exist. There were like we're going to have 32 teams next year, gentlemen, like when we were yeah. kids, it was like the big expansion era was the 1960s. And we've mm-hmm. lived through the slow Batman era, like slow, but sure move this and that. and. Oh my God. It's funny to think about like, do they even like, there are people who don't know who the Quebec Nordiques are that when they saw right. the reverse retro jerseys for Colorado, right. because they weren't actually avalanche fans. They just like kale, McCarr or whoever. Right. We're like, What? I don't get the color. They've been wearing the color scheme practically the whole time and honoring the thing. Right. Like that's just weird. I think we've been blessed. Like we've got to see it and who knows what it'll be like in another 20 years or whatever. But like, there yeah. were only like 15 or 16 or whatever teams. Yeah. Yeah, it has it has, dark has dark. really
2: grown. I, I some some of the places I don't. I mean, I don't think there should be a team in Carolina. Atlanta was a complete disaster with the Thrashers. Like there are some places where they really shouldn't have hockey there. No one really cares. Um, so they they do go outside. I think they pay too much attention of trying to, you know, because it's it was a regionalized sport and they're trying too much to make it more universal sport. And but there's just some areas that just don't care. And uh, so I think sometimes I get a little frustrated with, you know, going out to a, a place that really doesn't embrace hockey like like the, the other areas do. And I'd rather them go back to Quebec City and put another Quebec team in there or put another team in Highford, or, you know, places where there people play hockey you know, and, and have a tradition of doing it in
0: their family and such, but. you yeah, know, the dream uh, of great. playing for your hometown team. Look at the Bruins. Right. They hire everyone who went to school within 30 <laughs> <Right>. square miles. <laughs> right. Yeah. right, right, right.
2: Uh, all right, so it's break time, Mark.
3: Yes, it is break time. We're going to hear from Bruce Sullivan and he is from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. This is the guy where I get all these hand-signed jerseys for our giveaways, which we're going to mention later on at the end of the show. It's an Anders Bjork hand-signed jersey, with a JSA authentic, uh, I can't say it. It, it, comes, it, it comes with a, um, a letter of authenticity. Yeah. Yes. yes. I'm just a fumbling, bumbling words. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll hear from Bruce, and uh, we'll be right back after that.
1: Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce Sullivan from... Boston Sports & Music Memorabilia with our black and gold memorabilia moment of the week. This week at Boston Sports & Music Memorabilia, we have a beautiful hand-signed custom jersey from our new captain, Patrice Bergeron, dual authenticated by Shoreshot and containing the Bergeron hologram for just $299, as well as the Legacy Collection 22x26 autograph special edition photo display, dual signed by Phil Esposito, and Patrice Bergeron featuring custom framing and matting for just $179. For more information on the dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces, including those from our exclusive private signing with Bruins enforcer Terry O'Reilly next week, and for your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Or email me directly at boston bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go!
3: Hey everyone's fans, we are back. We just heard from the awesome Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Great stuff there. Go to the... Um, the Facebook page and, and join up with him and uh, send him an email. If you need something for your fan cave, because he's got some unbelievable stuff and we're going to continue to give uh, jerseys away every month of this year, hopefully. So keep those Patreon contributions coming in and we'll keep on buying more jerseys and other Bruins related stuff to win. So. Excellent.
2: Uh, next item on the agenda, David Pasternak. Joined the skate on January twelfth, and his and Bruce Cassidy anticipates that he'll be in full practice mode after the road trip. This is a little bit earlier than I thought, which is good. You know, he, he's he is coming ahead of schedule. Some uh, Bruins could absolutely hundred percent need it uh, as they've lost their top three right wings. They don't have Pasternak, Kaksha or Smith. Uh, so I saw we we were just looking at Matt Porter's tweet about the practice lines and. Par Lundholm was out there sharing time with Jake DeBrusque on the first line. And I thought to myself, there's a guy we haven't even mentioned. And you know why? Cause I haven't seen him for two games, Jake DeBrusque. He's a ghost out there again. And this is becoming a trend with him. And he said all the right things Well, he's going to try to be a more consistent player and this, that and the other thing, but that's a guy who should be getting in front of the net. But I digress. Uh, David Pasternak coming back much needed uh so heather your thoughts on pasta and it will it change enough of the five on five uh problems they have
0: um uh, it's good to see past pasta i'm glad that he's going to be fully integrated but no because he's been there this whole time we've always had five on five problems i think it might help our power play you know what i mean and getting those opportunities but in the end i don't that's just going to shift it back to, we have the top line scoring and maybe Creechie and Coy, you know, whatever, making some things happen too. Um, so what I'm concerned about is just, you know, don't rush it. Like Mark always says, it's better to be hundred percent than to like, you have to come back. Like, no, in this shortened season, we need you. If it takes you till February 15th to get back. Like we need you to slow and steady it because we're going to need you for the push and in the playoffs and all of that. So, um, I mean, I'm happy to see him back. He is a little ahead of schedule, as I said, but who knows what that really means. Uh, but it's not going to solve the five on five because we're not a good five on five team anyways, even when pasta is in the lineup True. As a matter of fact, when he's not on, he's very often sometimes Mm -hmm. impedes that process. So not on him, but I mean, he, he was better about it last year, but he was also hurt for a while last year too. Mm -hmm. And it took him a little bit to get back. So that's just my thoughts. Happy to have him back. We absolutely need him in our lineup. He's one of our offensive pop, one of the only true superstars on this team, like Mm -hmm. league wide recognized superstars. Mm So that's just my thoughts. Mark, anything on pasta? Uh,
3: hopefully he gets back soon. We need a scoring touch. Um Five one five is a disaster, as we mm-hmm. keep saying today on this show. Um, Yeah, we, we just we need it by committee too. We just not one guy coming into the lineup is going to change anything. Uh, we got to all buy in on shots on net um, and just get just got to do what you got to do because the mm-hmm. the, the schedule is not going to get any easier with teams that are, um on top of this division right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that you know. It'll be good to get get it going uh, tomorrow night against the Islanders and uh, bring that game, hopefully a win, a big win uh, against the uh, Philadelphia Flyers later on that week. Mm.
2: You know, I and I think Pasternak, That was a good point by Heather, that he was injured and you could really see that he had a he just his lower body. He just didn't have the burst that he had, he was still scoring some goals here and there, but he really struggled. You could see uh, in his mobility last season um, and it really hindered him, but he does. I think one of the problems with that top line, really one of the only gripes I have about them is that Marshan and Pasternak get very one-on-one when things aren't going well, if they're not creating opportunities, Mm -hmm. particularly Marshan, but also Pasternak. There's not a lot of, you know, just get it deep, try to win a battle, get it to the front of the net. It's all like, let's make a play at the blue line. A lot of times, Marshall will turn it over there, which is a bad place to turn it over. And they get a lot of one on one happy. And I think that that plays into some of the problems with the 515, too. Uh, it's just not getting it in and, getting it deep and trying to make a a hockey play instead you're trying to go one-on-one between the legs trying to make a move around a guy and uh and that type of thing some of them work and, and some of them some most of the time it doesn't it ends up being a turnover or just sloppy play uh so that's one of the gripes i have with them is is that they 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 tend to do that when the going gets tough type of thing and try to do too much by themselves in a one-on-one fashion. But you know, you can't go wrong with having Parsonak back. Arguably, maybe even the best goal scorer in the league, but certainly top three goal scorer in the league um, and one of the real dynamic players out there offensively. So it can't hurt for sure. And it also sort of evens things out and pushes guys back into roles that they're more accustomed to be in. Um, and they definitely need him now with Kasha heard and with Smith, you know, having his lower body injury, that's been nagging and and keeping him out of the lineup. So it's, um, I don't, I want to see less of Jake DeBrusque on the right wing on the top line. So if that's one game, fine. If it's more than that, then, then we, that's just not going to be any good. So it's important to have pasta back for sure.
0: I'm, I'm sorry. Before we move on to the next topic, can I just bring this up? And I know it's not Bruins. It is NHL. I am so goddamn irritated with the Florida Panthers and this whole Keith Yandel situation. (laughs) This guy is like 20 games away from his thousandth game. And what the F else do you have that's better? I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's not as if he's impeding your defense, okay? Um, You don't end people's, I am in street. Only to now, they are actually going to play him for the first game. So why did for days and days this had to be a draw? Because I'm pissed. Like in defense of Keith Yandel, kind of pissed. Like again, it's not like you're. I don't know. I just you don't have much better to offer. I'm sorry. Like, and he's not your abatross contract. That would be your goaltender, and that was your own stupidity. You don't pay that much to your goaltender, you crazy people, especially when they don't prove to be consistent, like a Vasilevsky, You know what I mean, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sorry. Just to interrupt our. Breaking news: Heather's fucking pissed about the Keith Endler, and yeah. now they are gonna pay him. And I'm sorry about the f bomb, boys. Go ahead. Yeah, Matt, I
2: don't know. I I don't. I you know, th- it's just the way it happens. If you don't want to have him as part of the plan, move him in the off season. Yeah. Like move him eat some money and move him. but to bring him in and then just scratch him is like a stance like you're not you're not good enough so we're gonna scratch you like you're some 23 year old kid who doesn't have an Iron Man streak. like it's just it's it, the way they handle it and if you don't want him on the team, great then move him. you're gonna have to eat some money. no one's taking that contract for a guy who's terrible in his own end and 34 years old. so that's fine but move him. And don't, don't put it yourself or him in that situation. And I sort of agree with the way it's handled. I don't mind them moving on. And I certainly don't want him on the Bruins because he's just another guy who sucks in his own end. Like, I don't want that. I'd rather have a 23 year old struggle in his own end and with some potential than a 34 year old who makes five and a half million a year struggle in his own end. Like it's just, and I know he's a local guy and five years ago, fine. Five years ago, great. And he's always sort of been in the mix as a Bruins guy because of his local ties. He's from Milton. You know, he's he's a local guy, wants to play in Boston, always sort of had an eye toward playing there. Great. But now he's past his prime and he's not what they need. But I think you know, the Panthers, I thought five years ago, and I mentioned this on Black and Gold Weekly with, with John on the, on the YouTube uh, show, is that I really think that, um, you know, Yandel you know, he's, he, he's just, he's not what they need. They need a steady, if they either need a steady defenseman who's good in his own end, almost like another Kevin Miller's type, or they need a top pair who can do both things well. So they don't really need Yandel uh, in, at this time in his career or at this time or what they need as a team. So I, I, you know, when people were saying that, of course, everybody's been in on every guy that's come up available as the Bruins are linked to him and none of them came. So, so this is just the 150th guy to be involved with the Bruins. But I just, I, I think they fumbled it. I thought the Panthers five years ago were really up and coming team with, with Huberto and they seem to have some young talent. I thought, boy, this team might be a team to be reckoned with. And they've seemed to just fumbled it all. And this is another indication that they just aren't, they aren't thinking, they aren't forward thinkers. So. But it was a good topic to come up with because I kind of have my thoughts on it, too. Mark, do you have any thoughts on Yandel or would you want him here or is that someone?
3: He's He's got term and so on. Um, so that would probably, um, I think a young, if if that was going to happen, I think a young player would be involved in a trade uh, because of that term. If he was a, a last year, you know, I don't think it would be that heavy of a price. Right. Um, so I don't want to take steps back with with getting anybody that's like working right. their way up to um, to the roster by addition, uh, an addition of a, a veteran player. So yeah. I'm, I'm no and the salary cap doesn't work. You're going to have to manage that somehow. So right. I, I, I don't see it working. And I, and yeah. I like Yandel and everything. He's a good transitional defenseman. But, you know, he's he's just uh, it's I don't want to say he's terrible. Defensively, but I think that there's, uh, his 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 best years are beyond him.
2: Yeah, and I agree, and I I think that he's um, yeah I would agree. If it's Vakninin and like a, you're, you're right, you'll have to give away some sort of asset for them to eat money, in some way. So if it's just a money for, then you probably could give up less if you're taking on the full term and the full money. But you kind of don't want to do that. So in order for them to eat something you'll probably have to give a little more so if it's like back in and a third or something like that but i still don't think he makes you that much better than what you have with potentially your younger guys i'd rather i guess i'd rather die on the vine with the young guys than go with a guy like him who just is past his prime i guess that's what i'm
0: trying to say But yeah. well it seems um, stupid to pay him 6.5 but you didn't sign chara or krug for the same well, kind of yeah, money with, I mean, the same, the with the same kind of complaints like not right. you know right I mean, probably chara more than krug, krug was definitely more of a term and money and right it wasn't to get bigger or whatever which i thought right. was funny when everyone's like oh like yeah definitely tory krug's fault the hot mess that is st louis right now and someone yep. wrote the funniest thing it's like asking a ferrari to drag logs because it's like he's so right. used to other fast players around him and and right. St. Louis is a good team, but they're very like old, like heavy, heavy. like fast yeah. moving. But um, like that again, like for the contract that that goes against the entire argument of like. Krug's too like getting too old to give him that kind of thing because he does have still a couple more years of that 6.5, and mm. that's a big ask to get anybody to eat half of that, you know. But yeah. at the same time, I feel like teams have to reap the fucking consequences sometimes of stupid contracts, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have, and
2: the, and the Blues will because yeah. that Krug, that crew, they're going to be dying to get rid of that. I said it from day one, and that was a, an early indication of what they because if you're paying a guy whatever he's making six and a half or whatever it is for yeah. six years, you have to play him as like a top pair like you have to play him on the pk and people are like why are they playing him on pk because they gave him six and a half million like you can't play a guy six and a half million and make him a third pair or even a second pair with no specialty teams like he has no. to play pk and he's, st- and he's not a defensive defenseman
0: no i so, would argue know. if you're playing tory krug on your pk you're an idiot, and maybe yes. like you're like that isn't a Tory Krug problem. Tory Krug was right. supposed to be brought in to be Tory Krug, but in St. Louis, which I, th- right. I don't think having Mark Savard gone out of there to help with the kind of specialties. I know he was an assistant coach last year, but helped build the power play there. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is probably way more the style of kind of how the Bruins do it, but Right. You're now you're asking somebody who that's just like we were talking about you can't ask these young kids to have a skill set they don't have you can't ask someone who's been playing for 11 years to suddenly be a penalty killer you know you're asking a 5 foot 9 defenseman to be when you know the big gripe about him is he's not very big like he's t- like he's a like he oh, will do his best sure, he's, he's crappy yeah. but he's not yeah he isn't kevin miller do you know he's what I mean? maybe i should realistic. have signed kevin yeah. miller instead of tory krug right you know and like right done that but that's what i mean it's like why on earth would you do that we didn't do that here you know what i right. mean i'm just because right. that wasn't <laughs> like, his special team's job like you know no. it's not so that's no. kind of just really bad like i don't did yeah. baruby take a head injury that doesn't seem yeah. very much well he like, may have like,
2: he has like the third most penalty minutes in the history of hockey so you might yeah well that's true yeah yeah, so I thought that, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, next item, Willie O'Ree. Was, you know, we talked about this in past uh, podcast, past episode. Uh, Willie O'Ree's 22 is being retired to the rafters on February the 18th. What I thought was funny about this was that if you thought this was going to happen, if you were going to do this, it almost seems like they thought about this the day that they announced it, because why would you give Craig Smith the opportunity to take 22 like a week ago or two weeks ago, if if you were going to retire Willie O'Ree's number to the rafters? So it must've been like a, like a last minute meeting. They said, you know what, geez, you know, we forgot about Willie O'Ree. Maybe we should put his number on the rafters. And then lo and behold, Craig Smith has the number. That's it, it. It gave me a kind of a clunky feeling about that. Like why would you give him the number if you thought if this was in the works, for a while you know what i'm saying so i don't know why it, it just struck me funny but uh but it is great to have his number up there he obviously um you know his historical value not as a not as a really as a player but more of the you know the, the racial barriers in the league and um and, the, and i think the bruins have done well by willie o'ree you know it's not like they haven't done anything uh in the history they they have recognized O'Ree a bunch of times and this is sort of, uh, I guess, what uh, you know, the last step of, of putting his number up in the rafters, and it's, you know, it's good to see. So, Mark, I don't know uh, if, what your thoughts were on O'Ree and the number.
3: I'm, I'm yeah. thrilled about it. Um, you yeah. know, there's a lot of people out there on Twitter that weren't very happy about it, saying that um, you know, Sean Thornton's number should be up there before O'Ree's, and I kind of laughed at that. Um, or yeah, uh, and, um, and the other thing. Is uh, if Peter Solaric comes ever comes back to the Bruins, he's not 22 again. So, right, we got we got that going for us. But right. no, in a serious, <laughs> note, it, it's really good to get this recognition of what he's been doing uh, throughout yeah. the majority of his life, and uh, and what he gives back. You see him with children all the time, um, you know, talking them up, you know, mm-hmm. learning about them, and and and, and teaching them about how this this world can be just a nasty place to live in sometimes. So. Um, you know, having a, an ambassador like him is, uh, is good. And I, I, and I know people harp on his stats and everything like that, that he's not a hall of famer, this and that blah, blah, blah. It, it's beyond the game. It really right. is. This is beyond the game and I, it's right, right. a good act on the Bruins and, and, um, in society too. So well done, Willie. Absolutely. Awesome. A
2: couple
0: uh, we, things.
3: We, Yeah, go ahead.
0: One, he is a hall of famer actually as a builder, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I just because you're not in their statistics, it doesn't matter. So is Gary stupid Bettman. I would argue Willie O'Ree <laughs> deserves to be there more. You know, I'm just saying, yeah, um, I do agree with Matt though. I'm a little uncomfortable with how rushed it feels. And again, if this was already in the works, I know there's been petitions and stuff going around to retire at league wide, kind of like, you know, Jackie Robinson's, mm-hmm. but um, I do think it's a little ridiculous that especially, I mean, I, it should have been done on the 50th anniversary. Do you know what I mean? To retire mm-hmm. his number? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad they are doing it, but it kind of upsets me that they're not waiting to do it until October when fans might be able to be there. So it's like, hey, man, yeah. you, you cross this huge historical threshold. And right. it's funny because Obviously, Canada in the United States are two different countries, you know what I mean, and there's some of the same problems back and forth but people a lot of times, especially in the States interview him from the point of view of like being an African American growing up but he's not he's Canadian do you know what I mean so maybe his experience was a little different you know back and mm-hmm. not like he didn't face some of the things, but he is very important to just making sure hockey is forever you like as much as he can like anybody it doesn't matter a girl boy black white you know you could be purple polka dotted you know what i mean it doesn't matter your background it doesn't you know so i think it's important that they're on but i'm a little upset they're not doing it more when fans can be there to like do the cheer and do now, I don't know, maybe they're going to do virtual fans that day or something. Maybe they're working that out, drop some screens and do like a zoom fan call. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming they'll let family and like the Bruins themselves and stuff, you know, be in the home game. But what I did like though, is I also saw though that tomorrow is Martin Luther King day is actually the 63rd anniversary of him playing his first NHL game. Oh, wow. All the teams are going to be wearing, like a Willie O'Ree sticker on their helmet to honor it. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, I think it was, it's kind of past due. I think maybe the 50th anniversary would have been a good time as an organization. Not like you said, because they have not done him wrong. You know what I mean? Right, Uh, right. Another thing I wanted to mention though, is did you guys see that video that Grizz's dad, who's worked, you know, worked so long there, he actually had one of Willie O'Ree's game-worn jerseys from the Bruins. It was like a video in that. I think it might've been the 50th anniversary that Grizz brought him and introduced him. And he told him the story how like the equipment managers had it. And Willie was surprised and, Mr. Gryzlik had it the whole time, like sitting on it. And gave amazing. it to him, like for him to have. And he didn't oh, okay. have a game-worn jersey from Boston. He's like, you know, you get traded. You're just like, yeah. okay, I got to go yeah. and do whatever. That's so great. I thought that was really oh, cool that's really just neat. for like to reinforce, like the Bruins, like once a Bruin, you're always a Bruin, right? And how it circles yeah. around. And that's not just the players. That's the staff, people like Mr. Grizzlick and your dad, you know, Matt, that are yeah. the part of the lifeblood of yeah. the Bruins or the Celtics organization that really- right keeps it alive it's really a community effort and not just like people doing things they have to do everyone they love being a part of the family and
2: yeah i think the bruins i think the bruins are are, are a good example of what boston is like blue collar i mean they've always been like you know blue collar and a little tough and a little you know and and loyal you know as loyalty in being a bruins fan and being loyal to the former players and you know people people rooted for ray bork to win a cup somewhere else you know i mean it's just there's there's loyalty in it like you said and it's once a bruin always a bruin and and that i think they did it now because it's you know black history month is february and they probably just felt it was a good time to do it and honor him during black history month and that that would make sense but i think they'll probably have something with people you know they'll have some sort of bring them out to the ice or have something happen there um you know, with him or his family or whatever, uh, you know, when the when the, when his fans in the stands, but um, but I thought that that was good. And you mentioned the stickers also, Travis Roy, uh, Mark, they're going to put some helmet stickers on for Travis Roy, TR 24 for the Bruins, which I thought was nice.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to honor the, the life of, uh, and, and, and there's a tragic um, game so long ago, uh, just seconds on the ice and, and, and in his first, uh, time with Boston university and, and paralyzed for the, for after it's just, that was, yeah. uh, such a, such a tough, tough time to watch. And, uh, but what he did after the accident and after he got somewhat healthy was, uh, be an advocate for, uh, spinal cord injuries and, and, uh, and that just moved on to, uh, to do some awesome things with, uh, charitable events, Travis was very giving on, on his story, but, uh, and raised a lot of money and, and he will not be forgotten about that. And this is a great way for the Boston Bruins to honor that, um, Mm -hmm. that feat that he did and, and, and to, uh, you know, really bring out, um, what Travis was all about. And, uh, so this is a good thing to give back to him. These will be worn all season, correct?
2: Yes. I think, yeah, they will be wore all okay. season one on the, on the helmet. So that's, that's, awesome. uh, that's great. No, I think it's a great move for them. And again, like you said, honor, honor, someone who was a real, uh, not only uh, a good spokesman for, for the sport of hockey, but also for, you know, for people who have, who have that terrible disability and, um, you know, when he went on that, that, that you mentioned that shift, he, he goes on and i have never seen anybody more excited about playing when he, when he came in like a bat out of hell. Like, like he was, uh, and it was terrible what happened, but you could just see the excitement in him getting on the ice first shift first, you know, he skates hard and it was just such a awful, tragic accident. It really was. And, and it's too bad, but he made, you know, he really did some great things as a result of it. So you can—it's a real, real great example of take a tragedy and make some, you know, and really have people learn and uh, and make something positive out of it. And and he did that as well as you could do. So uh, it's great to honor him for sure. Uh, Next item is a few milestones coming up for the Bruins, Heather, uh, and and former Bruins, and it's not just the 20 minutes of ice time that Zdeno Chara had the other day for the Capitals
0: he played like, i think he played like 19 or something the first game too yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did yeah did. So um, he did so much
2: for
3: that limited minute role in washington yeah, huh? he did. yeah.
0: Oh well, it is what it is um yeah. i'm sure there are more milestones coming up uh like yeah. specific to like Organization, like maybe on lists in the organization, we'll get to that maybe next week. I kind of ran out of brain power and time, right. but uh, these are just some of the uh stats coming up, and you all be happy because Nick Richie is coming up on a stats oh, good,
2: right, like a milestone. Uh, right.
0: But pasta is only 10 games away from his 400th game, it's like the kids oh. grow up. How did that happen? Nice. you well, know, what I mean? he got yeah. that big. Yep. Uh, Brandon Carlo is. I think four more games, because this might be where I wrote it down. I'm not sure. Uh Yeah, I think he played two games. Yeah, I was just looking at it because I drew it over. I tried to like, you know, because we've played a couple games now and fixed oh, it, right. but he's approaching 300 games. Oh, if nice. Nick Ritchie plays tomorrow, which I know we pray he doesn't, but I don't want to deprive him his 300th game in the NHL. 300 either, games. So. Right. Yeah. So I was like, "Dude, Nick Ritchie's been around that long. Like, I kind of knew who he was, but yeah, geez, that kind of makes me more scared." And Grizz is almost to the 200 games. Uh, he's at 199 right now, whatever. Right. Uh, Brad Marchand is getting very close to 300 goals, and David Pasternak mm. has like 20 goals to get to 200, but obviously he hasn't played. Uh, Marchese, I think, was like. 15 goals or something like that. He was close, mm. but I can't remember now because he did score the other day and oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So sorry that yeah. to uh, disappoint, to but wow. David Krejci is 22 points away from 500 assists.
2: Wow. I know wow. he is
0: one of the best playmakers we've had. And
2: sure. This. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Adam Oates and him are up yeah. there as some of the great playmakers they've had. And, um, you know, sort of comparing his numbers to Cashman, and Cashman had obviously great numbers on some great teams in the 70s. But uh, is not going to get you know to the Hall of Fame um, and probably not going to get his number put up there. But he is definitely, I mean, 14, te- 14 seasons on the team. Um, he's definitely up there as far as productive, top 10 productive players. And also, you put in the postseason regimen. And we've talked about Krejci before as being an under-the-radar, um, not sure why, but an under the radar star for them for a long, long time, and uh, definitely one of the top Bruins of all time, really. When you talk about production and postseason acumen. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, th- those are some you know Marchand th- almost three hundred goals. I mean, that was a great pick. That was a great draft. We had Lucic and Marchand, Marchand, and uh, what well, you had somebody else on there, too. Was it was it Krejci too? Uh maybe not Krejci, but it was it was Martian and uh and Lucich and somebody else in that draft. Um and that's uh Martian was a great draft pick for them and someone that has really become you know an elite player in the in the game over the years and really doesn't seem to be slowing down much. And he's not a very big guy, and he yeah. seems pretty durable for someone who's not very big, you know. Uh, I, mean, I think he's very slippery, like he gets out of situations and he knows how to, you know keep himself away from dangerous hits you know what I mean um but uh he's uh yeah so that's that's interesting
0: there's more Um, uh milestones too. Krejci again to go on him he's got almost 700 points he only needs 13 more points now that Mm -hmm. because he got an assist Mm -hmm. and is it crazy to think though that David Pasternak is only 21 points away from his 400th point like he's just He's, he's a wow. machine. Uh, wow. Andre Kasha, if he ever plays, he only needs three more points to get 100 points. And Charlie Coyle, who I know Mark yeah. has grown to love over these two years, yeah. uh, he is only yeah. 15 away from his three hundred point. We know he'll get that. And McAlvoy yeah. is only eight away from his 100th point. These boys oh, are great. growing up. Uh, yeah. Tuka Rass, Mark, you'll be happy to know, is almost to his 300th win for like yeah. an NHL whatever. And Yarrow, mm-hmm. this was a weird statistic that – he was reaching the 300, I mean, the 30,000 minutes played mark. I think he beat that yesterday. Like wow. he went past 30,000 oh, minutes, minutes in the net as a starter or backup. That's, That's a crazy. Career. It is crazy. Um, But the big ones coming up is Bergeron. He's only 36 years, uh, 36 years, 36 assists away from passing Espo for fourth most assists on the Bruins in history. Wow. And Krejci only 17 away from passing Middleton for seventh with the most assists and mm. Bergeron's about 18 points away from passing or as the fifth most points ever. Also wow. Bergeron's approaching 1100 games. That okay. should be happening soon. Yeah. But yeah. just to mention, like uh, you brought up, you know, Chara. Like apparently, limited role <laughs> means still playing twenty freaking minutes a game. Yeah, but Chara's is only forty, well, forty-five games away from his sixteenth hundredth game. There's only been thirteen people with the sixteen hundred games. Wow. You, there was a funny oh. video though with Chara that one of his teammates. I can't. I it might have been Kuznestov that like asked to use a stick for a minute. He's like, yeah, I just don't yeah, have I saw a lot that of video. Of them, so that was break. funny yeah it's like taller than him that was yeah pretty that funny. Was funny. i was like yeah yeah just don't yeah, break it
2: that's funny uh yeah. here's hoping through all that 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 andre kasha plays the five years necessary to get the three more points i really hope that that uh that, that happens <laughs> <For
0: someone else. laughs>
2: yeah i really hope so for kasha's sake um well great uh so next time on the agenda mike milbury is out at nbc and mike babcock is in so one unlikable guy to another, uh, does this improve the broadcast? I'm going to say in one word, no. But uh, I don't know what if you guys like Milbury or what, or if you like the broadcast and that sort of thing. I don't know. You can go first, Mark, on that one.
3: I I wasn't much of a Milbury guy. I mean, I could I could listen yeah. to him and so on, but it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, you just can't do stuff like that. And no. cancel culture t- today right. is. It is what it is. So he's out and you bring a guy in that notably like disrespected players in his day and so on, you know, just the mind games that he played. So I don't know what's going to happen to be honest, but uh, my guess is like I said it on the uh, live stream uh, last week, I think um, or Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday last week. I said that uh, watch Babcock get a job now because you remember when Tortorella was going to be on NBC. I guess that day of his appearance, the Columbus Blue Jackets hired him. So watch him get a job real quick.
2: I'm sure he will. I mean, the NHL tends to recycle head coaches, especially better ones. So I would say, yeah, maybe Seattle. Yeah. I mean, that's a guy who could create a certain culture. I mean, doesn't seem to be beloved by his, by his you know he's like a Mike Keenan type doesn't seem to be beloved by his players but if you want to create some discipline and some in you know, a certain culture among your early you know early you know first team in a franchise and maybe he's the guy who come in and with a bang i my only concern with this is that with a guy like mike melbury and i get you can't do that and it's a heightened society and and politically correctness and all that but if you take away I just see across the board pre and post games seem so bland to me. Mm-hmm. Like there's just not a lot of character to them. There's just not a lot of personality to them. And he was a personality. So I look at like Keith Jones and and Anson Carter and them. It's just blah, you know. And when Jeremy Rowanick and Mike Milbury do stupid things and get kicked off, I think there needs to be a balance there. If you can find a guy who has personality, you know, who can, who can really come off the screen with personality you need to do that. It just seems very bland to me. And it's just, that's the only thing I'll miss about Milbury is that at least he'd say some things, you know, at least he'd be truthful in some things. Now, obviously cross crosses lines. You don't want to do that, but I only concern with it. And I don't know how Mike Babcock speaks and if he's engaging or whatever, I, I have no idea, but with a guy like Milbury, I just hope we get a, we don't get away from putting some guys in with some personality, you know, who, who can say some things and not cross the line, but can, that can be a little, you know, give us some, some color, you know, and that's what they call it color analysts. So, I don't know. So I just, I just hope that it just doesn't become this really bland product.
0: Well, that's what I, uh, you know, that's all I can think is like, I do think that as Bruins fans, we probably have, we're more accustomed to like Mike Milbury. We know he's just like this gruffy. I hate everything. I hate my own team. I hate their team, which always used to crack me up when they accuse him of being a homer. What are you talking right. about? He hates, right. he's the hardest on the Bruins. He expects sure. the most. He, from d- them. he, he
2: was, and, he was.
0: But that's what I think that, I agree with you. It's like when I'm watching football, right? It's like just a bunch of old white dude or whatever. And I get, they brought in Anson Carter and I mean, Patrick Sharp and Catherine Tappan and look gorgeous at the desk together. You have like just bookends of pretty people and hockey knowledge, which is great, you know, because it is TV. You want to have appeal, but, I think that this, t- this league and these broadcasts need the Jeremy Roenick's now Jeremy Roenick said something really stupid, but you also hired Jeremy Ronick, who says stupid shit all like that's his whole essence. When he was a player, he wouldn't change it. And he's right. doing it his own way now. Now, right. sure. You're not supposed to say those things. The thing right. with Millberry that cracks me up is, and I went on a rant about it back. What Millberry said was definitely amped up out of context. It was really, I feel like it's been six months. Maybe we could have gave him a, a, a second go, make sure. Because what do you have? Now you don't have whoever out there. You have like, that's great. I don't really care what's going on. Nothing annoys me more than them between the benches. It's boring. It's wasting yeah, time. I right. get you I can't have dead space. And it's not that I don't like LeBron. I just not, it's not that or whatever, or whoever's in there. I mean, they changed it a little. Uh, Brian Boucher or whoever the hell's in yeah. there. But- right. I don't want to hear this. I want to hear Jeremy Roenick's kind of crazy Jesse the body venture and come on and come, you know, uh, color commentary. I, You know, when they're sitting there, especially like, again, like the people who are calling the games have personality. That's how they got those gigs. Right. But- Hockey players aren't known for personality. So why would you want to get to and then you replace him with someone who is known for not exactly being Mr. Warm and Fuzzy or sayings? Right,
2: right. He might yeah. smile
0: more than Melberry, but they're still right. the same old grumpy hockey guy. It's not yeah. at least, I don't know. I like Mike Melberry. I'm just surprised. I can see why Ronick ended up getting fired. It, that was sure. like it was yeah. funny, and he's a grown-up and whatever. And I'm sure privately Catherine Tapman was like, not cool, but super funny, right? Yeah. But right. as uh, broadcast i understand that is too mainly right. but go, saying um, like the boys aren't distracted because they're not women as if if you if they weren't in a bubble the toronto maple Leafs aren't readily sh- getting shit faced and hooking up with ladies around the right. town you know like that's right. just he didn't even say it in that bad of a manner so i'm just right. surprised that led to now mike milbury yeah. has a job and like you said now yeah. he's winking at the camera he's going to be the head coach of the freaking kraken come next I week I
2: probably Probably. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I just worry that, yeah, we're just, we're just getting a little bit too far up. Cause I agree with you. I think that what some of what he said was, was truthful to a point. Like there are distractions, like it doesn't mean it doesn't even, you couldn't even take it out of con, you know, in the context of maybe he's not even meaning hooking maybe just meaning like the whole thing of having your wife there and, and creating distraction, you know, it's just well, you know, how long is it, how long is this going to be? You're not here. And, you know, or, or, you know, just the normal, like the kids are there and your wife is there and it's taking away from your focus on hockey. You know, maybe it's just that too. Like it was a, it was a, it was not an in-depth statement. It was sort of a glance, but you also have to know that you can't talk about gender or race in any type of fashion that could be stereotypical. You can't. And he has to know that. So that's, that's why I, I get why he was let go. But I also see there was a little bit of a point there. Uh, but people took it out of an ex- took it to an extreme concept in some way too. So, but you can't touch those subjects. You can't. So, and that's, so it's, it's rightfully so in that regard. Um, there are lists uh, of the five, there five B's made the NHL network's top 50 players. And Pasta was voted east all team and i i would hope so <laughs> because if he's not an the east all team i don't know who it would be but um but top 50 players in the nhl networks of five bruins so it must have been what pastinac bergeron Marchand, and no no mcavoy yeah who would the other one be Oh, Rask. yeah okay there you go so five okay. out of the top 50
0: yeah, that's pretty yeah. impressive uh and also, I mean, I know Tuukka Rask isn't a lead or anything, but he was number two on the top 10 goalies behind uh, Vasilevsky, who is the only goalie who's Pretty better good for an him, average goalie. I would yeah. say. that's uh, elite a to bonus. me. Like, yeah. I, that's no shame in that. <laughs>
1: yeah. No
0: shame in that, you know what I mean? But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know is not a lead or anything. I understand that's very controversial. I'm sure there was plenty of Bruins fans that let NHL Network know that it's insane to think that Tuukka Rask is the second best goaltender in the NHL. Uh, I think... The narrative that Tuca is an elite is just as crazy as the um, narrative that Jordan Biddington is. Just mm. saying, got into a right. fight with some Blues fans. I'm like, dude, he right. played like twelve months of good hockey. They're like, "What are you talking about? He won a cup, and then he was doing fine to the bubble." I'm not judging mm. the bubble. My team sucked ass in the bubble, mm. but Jordan Minnington is overrated. I'm just saying. Right. If now you're resorting to blaming Tory Crew because you put the smallest person on your team on your PK, then you know what I mean. Right. Like, this organization. If he, if he has beat more the Blackhawks,
2: than- if he beat the Blackhawks and the Blues, or the Blues. Uh, In those, you know, in the game six or the game seven, we'd probably have a different conversation. It really comes down to one personality with him. People just don't get his Finnish personality. They don't. They think he's sort of lackadaisical and laissez-faire, and is not the typical type of Bruin. Like, let's let's you know, let's be anxious and let's and let's you know, be uh, let's grit our teeth through everything. And secondly, they just they they harp on the hole he didn't win you know he he you know they say he blew game six of the Blackhawks and then they didn't win because but again if the Bruins score first in game seven what if they win that game then what do you say like it's it's, I don't think it was because of him they lost the game it's one game so you're really taking two games in his career and judging him on the ice because he's obviously if you watch game one of the season you realize how I mean he's such a good goalie I mean, he is. I mean, his head is right, and when he's into it, I mean, he's a he's an excellent goaltender. Like he's just, but people just don't like him, and they're just going to continue to find any way necessary to bash him. I think I think if they win the cup with him, they'll still find ways. Yeah, they to, will to say they will. It, he they can will. never do anything to help his legacy in Boston with some with a lot of people. He just can't. Yeah. It's too bad.
0: Because oh, Christ, he's gonna win three hundred games.
2: Well, like, they'll be just, like, like know, oh.
0: They're like, oh, well, it took him three times. Right, right, I mean, right. Just like someone said, what did he do on the 2011 right. team? I'm like, first of all, there was no 1A, 1B. You ride your hot goaltender. And Tim Thomas, for after the first round, was on fire. Why would you just put your backup goaltender in for no reason? Right. So what? You still played with the team all year. You were still there. when you. I mean, it's not how getting your name on the cup works. You have to play X amount of games with the team and or, and obviously Mark Savard's case was petitioned to have his name on the cup the organization asked for that but yeah that's just i don't understand the narrative and it's not even just it's just crazy like do you watch these other goaltenders like you know what i mean like there aren't many other ones that are as good as tuca and like that's no. all day long i'm giving him that are. i think ben bishop when he's not hurt is one of the best goaltenders in this league like overall uh mm-hmm. and i think some of these young goaltenders coming up are gonna start you know yeah
2: pretty good taking too. Well, the rights, black would look really good for the devils you look really
0: don't good. come at me that jordan Biddington's elite One cup does not make you elite. One cup makes you a cup winner, which is more than a lot of people can say, and I'll give you that. But when you spend the first eight years or whatever in the lower leagues, that doesn't make you an elite goal. Yeah,
2: it's lightning in a bottle. He's more Matt Murray than he is to Gerask for sure. He's more lightning in a bottle guy. Um, But yeah, so. Uh, and, And lastly, on the agenda here is the official announcement that Boston and Philly will play in Lake Tahoe on February 21st, an outdoor game. Boy, I'd love to go to this. Yeah. I'd love to go out
3: there. I don't know if you guys have ever been out that way. I, I uh, no, I the I furthest will. furthest west I've been is uh, Vancouver in Canada. I've never been to California,
0: oh, nice. Washington,
3: or anything like that.
2: Yeah, I went to
0: California, but I was in L.A. Yeah, I was
3: in
2: L.A. area in Anaheim. Yeah.
0: I liked more than I thought I would like because I really love like. I'm an East Coast snob. I won't pretend like I'm not, too. but I actually yeah. liked LA. I don't like how spread out it is. I kind of am spoiled, right. especially we're from the Northeast where cities are compact. You can walk it if you know you don't want to wait for the bus or whatever. Yeah. You're like, screw it. It's only two miles. I'll just walk it. Right. Uh, yeah, but no, I heard Tahoe is beautiful, though. I know people have gone there skiing oh, and yeah. whatever there, so... But it's good. It be- I think
2: I, I love the winter, the outdoor games. I mean, I, I can't really get enough of them. I just think it's great. I mean, I don't know why people get all bent out of shape about having too many. I, I say do it as much as you can. <laughs> like, it's just it's I think it's really cool to have them because hockey, you know, frozen ponds all over Canada. That's that's where it was played. Yep. You know, it's just he Orr talks about that in his book. He talks a lot about playing pond hockey. Like it's great for the players because they all did it his kids, you know, it's just, so I, yep. I, I really like it. And I think it's great to go out there and in that area, it's going to be beautiful. And I think it's great. So uh, give me more winter outdoor games. I don't, I don't care. I mean, it's, it's great.
0: Willie O'Ree said he hadn't, he never, uh, I was listening to an interview with him or whatever. He said he never played an in an, out, an indoor game until he was like 17 years old and yeah. started skating yeah. when he was like five or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's crazy. In metro In
3: Fredericton, Montreal. Connecticut. I mean Fredericton,
0: yeah. Canada. Jesus. Canada. Yeah. Fredericton,
2: Yeah.
3: All right. So S B G time.
0: Oh, yeah. That's me. Sorry. Yeah.
3: Do we have how
2: many
0: uh, we got, we got, like anybody three, use hashtags? I think three or four. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Let me just do it. I hit the thing. Okay. So I know that Mark Bell asked a question. So just give me one second. I'm sorry. I'm slacking. Okay. All right. Just give me one second. It's fine. There's not that we, many. There's only a wanna, couple.
2: So. We definitely want to remind people to use the hashtag askBNG. Yes, so please. That, so that we can put it all together. And
0: I saw you had retweeted it like, yeah, like
2: has- use the hashtag! <laughs> exclamation uh, point. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. So Mark Balboni asked, uh, what do you make of the trend that has continued through it? The, at least the first few games of the 2021 season that has plagued the Bruins for the past few seasons where they give up goals moments after scoring their own, which is one of my, personally my freaking peeve on this team is like, what's the point of putting the puck in net If you're not going to protect your own net.
3: Mm. Yeah. Um, I, 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 didn't wanna, I got nothing on this one. Sorry.
2: Yeah. I, I think that yeah. I mean, it seems to be something that happens to the team, a letdown or, or what have you, uh, but I'm more, I'm more about the the five on five play in general. Um, you know, there is sort of a letdown at times to, you know, and the team just gave up a goal. The other team is going to be charging hard to try to make up for that goal against. So there's some of that too. And I don't know if it's, it does happen to them here and there. And, uh, but I'm more concerned about the five-on-five play, five play in general, and um, you know, and and and, uh, and and trying to get that to where they're creating more chances and and getting more five-on-five five goals and and that type of thing. Um, but they, you know, it's just. Sometimes just a lack of focus, you know, you score a goal, you let down a little bit and the other team comes down and put some pressure on and scores a goal. It was frustrating the other night when they, they took the two to one lead and then New Jersey comes back and scores, you know, very shortly after. Um, but again, I mean, that's, that's, uh, they need to score a goal to tie the game and they put the pressure on and you lose a little bit of focus and it's in the net. So it's, uh, but I think it's more about the five on five play.
0: Yeah. I also would like for them to like yesterday, can you please keep it together for the last 10 seconds of the game? Yeah. You know, you'll go to OT, you know what I mean? You know, it'll right. change the game. Like if you're, if you're going to let them go ahead, say, right. make sure that you at least get yourself, you know, you see football teams do it all the time, right? If we can just stuff them till the quarters or, you know I mean? Till the half right. or whatever. Right. So I, I wish there was a little bit more about that, but right. Sure. all right. Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, sorry. So, sorry
3: yeah. I fumbled on that one, Mark. All My right. bad. Hung over.
0: You're forgiven. Mm-hmm. Clovis Roy asks. hello, Clovis. Will the carousel of wingers continue? Looks like boys.
3: Yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> yeah, but, it does. <laughs> especially after, especially after today's um, practice lines, it looks like mm-hmm. none of the top three right wingers are going to be participating in tomorrow's game. So yeah. should be interesting, but yes, it does continue Clovis. It does.
2: It does, and it, and it's going to as long as again the five-on-five play is what it is. I mean, Cassie's going to try to generate some chemistry with somebody in there, uh, and they have a lot of interchangeable parts when it comes to forwards. There's not a lot of guys who stand out. I mean, they have the top line, but then after that, it's guys can play the second line, the fourth line. The, you know, there's not a lot of separation. Uh, so there's going to be is until they get this five-on-five thing hammered out and and more consistency offensively. They're going to have to do it. So.
0: Well, if our top three right wingers are injured, stay tuned because next week Mark will lose his goddamn mind. Once Charlie Coyle becomes the second line right winger again for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know that's one of Mark's favorites. Um, Okay. Thanks Clovis. All right. uh, Ray Guarino asks us, the Bruins prospect pool was recently ranked 31st in the league by the athletic. How do they restock? Should they be sellers at the deadline? If they're struggling, what say you guys?
3: Um, I don't know. Uh, I I don't I don't know. It all depends on where they're going to be at. Yeah. If they if if you're way out of it, don't don't give up the farm that for expectations that you're not going to uh, succeed. Um, but if you're just that one player away, I would say go for it. And you're in a good position, like right behind Philly, which I'm kind of predicting. You know, then you have to make a move. But I wouldn't. I just I don't know. I, I think this is a year that. It's such a transition year for this Boston Bruins team. I think next year is the year you're really going to see a lot of turnover with the cap space available. So I'm expecting a better team next year with a full 82.
2: Right, I I think that the shortened season, with the shortened season, I don't think there's any way they're going to be out of it. I just don't think they will. I mean, so many teams are going to be jam-packed together. There's not going to be a lot of separation there. And you could make a case that, 80% 80% of the teams will be in it, so to speak in April because of the 56 games. So I don't see them being out of it in that way. I don't see them taking on a lot of term from a guy too, because they haven't shown a willingness to do that. And I also don't think that they will move on from Krejci and Rask who will be the two most highest commodities they have for a potential playoff run by say Colorado or someone, um, those would be the two guys that I'd be after if I were other teams trying to make a playoff run. Um, but other than that, I don't think they will. Uh, they will do anything that drastic. And it is also, and Mark has mentioned this a few times, the expansion draft plays a key role because then if you bring a guy in, you've got to you've got to protect him, and then that just adds another protected guy and another opportunity for you to lose a good player. Uh, too. So that factors in too. this is expansion year. So a lot of a lot of movable parts here that you have to really consider when you're making a change at the at the deadline.
0: Um, for me, I think if this team now, I do not expect this team to be a cup contender, I expect this team to be competitive and probably make it through the first two rounds, you know, in its own division and come out the other side for whatever that rebracketing is for the semi slash finals or whatever. Um, I do expect though, if they really do kind of get their shit together that they do figure out at the trade deadline. So if that's, we still can't score, then I don't care at this point if we're selling the farm because the farm isn't that much more on it, right? Because I mean, I'm not saying get rid of Tuca. I'm not saying get rid of Krejci, like obviously keep them in, but part of restocking means we have to also go out and get some other people's young talent sometime. And I think by the time we get to April, there'll be a much better look at, I keep saying, we've been stockpiling our own prospects, but they're not all not working out necessarily. They're not all going to. So, you know what, if you got a flip view, you know, you're saying I'm going all in on Zaborl, Lausanne, and Frederick, right. And you keep them, but sorry, like, some of you other bubblers, but you have a little value we can get rid of. Also, we have to stop making stupid deals where we give away all our top picks. We're get not a draft really, better too.
3: Yeah, get a draft I, better. Now, Yeah.
0: Now we've had a few. Uh, I, there have been some, and some, even just from this last year or two, right, that look like they might, in a few years, be great. But our chronic problem is we're always waiting for the kids to grow up and be able to, you know, handle it or whatever. You know, everyone's different. We can't we can't wait for that because, like Matt said, that's how you get stuck in this. We're not going anywhere. We if we're gonna rebuild, I'd rather them after this 50 game season, after everyone's protected, after Seattle, rip the fucking bandaid and go and get somebody in the offseason. Do you know what I mean? maybe more free agency than before the drafts because you want to be careful or even at the draft? do something medium and move up in the draft because like we've talked about it kind of concerns me that no one wants to do trades with us or they know they can fleece us if they do (laughs) so drafting better will help but again we need to also depending on where we're at address that now we don't want to fall off a cliff either and like have to refigure out how to be the competitive team so thanks uh ray uh one more. Sorry. Chad McMean says, oh, what are your early thoughts on the young D so far? Where does Danika fit into the lineup when pasta comes back? And what's your favorite at Black and Gold Hockey Productions podcast?
3: Um
0: What about this young D? Uh Black and Gold. <laughs> yeah. Open
2: our black own and guys. gold. yeah. Hockey podcast. Right, right. I, been I,
0: three I, months years. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I love I, all- I,
2: I like Black and Gold. I like them all. I mean, they're all very good and we're very blessed to have them all. And uh, and, and also Black and Gold Weekly with uh, with John is another good one too. I mean, there's a good network of podcasts. So absolutely check them all out and uh, tons of information. Everything you ever knew for uh, once come from there. Uh, absolutely through that network. So I, um, what was the first question? I can't remember. Uh,
0: I was gonna say, uh, oh, also D. we have very diverse popular uh, population of personalities and stuff. Yes. And I think that's why they're all so good because yes. it's like, you know, I kind of know what our sound is and right. we're not all like, everything's the same. We all agree right. the same thing, which is right. great. But the first right. question was, what do you think so far about the young D we've talked about this a little bit.
3: Yeah. Uh, you work
0: in progress as
3: Mark said. <laughs> yeah. There's a work in progress. It's, yeah. it's too much of a small sample size right now yes. to really figure it out. Yeah. I think that the, yeah. this team's just got to get better. And it's right. going to uh, hopefully it gets better when we see increased uh, talent. No, no doubt.
0: Uh, I, again, it's only two things, but I, I'm going back to, I think Lozon should maybe go down with Miller for a bit and maybe bump Zaboral. you know, see what happens yeah. on the Islanders. I think it might and, happen. You know, because mm-hmm. part of figuring out where they should be is letting them, them interchange. You can't really interchange where you're going to put. So either maybe move those every now and then for the next 10 days or, what you know, whatever, switch them or just move Grizz up and, leave right. the boys in two and three respectively. Because right. again, we don't want to overwhelm them either. Right. Uh, and the last one was, where is Studnika fitting in? Now I'm concerned because we have no right wings. He'll, he'll, he'll
2: be, and in my opinion, when everybody's healthy, he'll be out, I think. because, and unfortunately, uh, because I think that they'll have the luxury of having him either watch or be scratched or play a little bit down. I think that they sensed in game one that they put a little bit too much on him too early. And I think that he'll be a guy who will be odd, one of the odd men out. They'll still have another guy, I think, to, to deal with. But I think he'll be the odd man out at least for, you know, a couple of games here or there. Um, but, again, there's inju- injuries and stuff. But I think um, that he'll be, you know, they'll play Bjork up there and they'll play Smith up there if they have to. And But right now, if Kosh is out and Kosh is doubtful for tomorrow, uh, Evan Maronofsky just tweeted out that Craig Smith should play tomorrow uh, per, well, per Cassidy. News. So that's good news. So they, they get a right winger back, but I think Studnika will probably be the guy out, uh, when they have a full roster
0: two games, boys It only took two games for the right side to be a hot freaking mess in the forwards this year, two <laughs> games. We didn't even get a couple weeks in before right. we had to worry about it. Remember because Coleman yep. went down first last year on the right side, right. and they started going anyways, that is the hashtag ask BNG question segment of the week. Please use the hashtag, always look. Uh, one of us will send it out. I try to send it out to remind the boys, oh yeah, hashtag ask BNGs, so they can retweet that out. Uh, but yep. use the hashtag, thank you as always. And. We don't have any favorites. All our podcasts are awesome. Spread the Excellent. word. Yes, absolutely.
2: Thanks to everyone. And uh, definitely check out blackandgoldhockey.com. Check out all the articles every single day. New articles up in all the game recaps, game previews, gay, anything Bruins you need, information, speculation, uh, game information, any hot news, anything at all, Bruins, go to blackandgoldhockey.com. Several great writers and great Bruins content for sure. And Mark's going to give you some
3: information on how you can watch him. on uh, social media. This week in Bruins history.
2: Oh, this week in Bruins history. Okay. <laughs> that's right. I missed it.
3: Today on January 17th, 2011. Oh, no, that's not it. Um, hot mess today. Sorry. On January 18th, 1964, which was tomorrow, Dean Pentis had three goals and three assists in a Bruins 11-0 win over the Maple Leafs. Oh,
2: Wonder when will oh. his number will be retired?
3: Right. Who, yeah. who knows? Who knows? Could be. Um, but going yeah, back to what you were talking about earlier, we are on Streamyard and we're doing a. Um, um, a live stream. Sometimes we do games and sometimes we just shoot the shit on Tuesdays. Um but I am joined by Nick and uh Jared from the Dump and Change Hockey Podcast and we have a lot of fun. I had too much fun yesterday. Those day drinks killed me. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was it was fun. We were, we were online for four hours just sitting <laughs> wow, there shooting the shit. Crazy. We watched two games. We watched the Bruins oh, game excellent. and then we went on to the uh, San Jose Sharks game. So oh, it nice. was kind of cool. So check it out. Um, we're all over the, uh, we're on six platforms, Facebook, uh, Periscope, uh, Twitter, and so on. So if you want to come in, you can stay active in the chat, ask us questions. It's a lot of fun. So I'm that's enjoying great. it damn uh, nhl great. tv
0: sorry i got a thing yeah. on my eye it's like we're going from five dollars to 25 dollars a month i'm like <laughs> really? uh you're gonna black out all the damn games i want to watch anyways guys right, yeah. that that and there's no right. logical way to watch nbc sports or whatever if you don't have the thing so i just want right. to say freaking stupid nhl yeah. tv get your own uh, get a real streaming thing for the yeah. freaking hockey
2: yeah uh you also want to join patreon and, and donate to black and gold hockey
0: mark
3: Yes, yeah. If you donate one dollar, you it's per episode. We're probably only going to do about four episodes um, a month, so it's it's a small investment. But you win some really you have chances to win some really good prizes. So, uh, by that being said, we're going to mention our Patreon award winners. They are uh, Joel Marshall, and uh, he's a Die Hard Bruins fan that just won the Anders Bjork hand signed jersey. And our very own Andrew Taverna is uh, going to take home one of these beauties, which I get all my facts from. Oh, nice. So it's a, it's a calendar. So I know Andrew's a hard worker at B&G, so this will look really good on his desk. I'll send Excellent. that right out. But Excellent. thank you very much. It's patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. Just donate a dollar to be in- eligible and you win some really good cool prizes. We give away – a Bruins-related item every every week, but we give away a Bruins hand-signed jersey every month, once a month. So nice. congratulations to everybody on that, and thank you for your contributions. We truly appreciate that. Absolutely. So
2: congrats to, to the winners this week, and episode 212 is in the books. Islanders and Flyers coming up this week for the Bruins, and definitely check out blackandgoldhockey.com for all the information this week about Bruins hockey games and so forth. Uh, another good episode, guys. Appreciate yes. it. Loved it.
3: Thank you very much, everybody. And back. really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, good to have you back, Matt. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. And uh,
2: we'll be back again next week. The uh, episodes drop every Sunday. And uh, we'll be back with more great hockey talk. And check out the other podcasts along the BNG Productions podcast network. That'll do it. Have a great week, everybody. Peace Bye. out, everybody.